It's it's Brad Pitt and his damn green agenda getting people eating the fuck up on the highway. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Porters, and I am here with... Matt Smith. And we are going to talk about movies. And what kind of movies? A lot of movies. No, that's not a kind of movie, but that's what, we, that's what we're doing. Today's show is gigantic. We are jam-packed full of movies. There is so much stuff to talk about. Uh, chances are, if you've been to the movies in the last uh, two or three weeks, you've probably seen one or more of these movies. And that's what we're here to do. Is we're here to, And if you haven't been to the movies, listen! For heaven's sake, listen and find out what the hell to spend your money on, because it ain't cheap to go to the movie theater anymore. Find out what to, li- to what to go watch and what to stay away from. So, uh, yeah, basically, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do about what three or four movies today. So, what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna take a break right after this, and then we're going to um, we're gonna be reviewing Monster. Or, uh, I'm gonna talk about Monsters Inc. and what we've been watching, and uh, Matt will be talking about the Bling Ring. Of course, we got a couple of other things, and then we're gonna get into our big reviews for the show. We're gonna this week we're gonna be reviewing This Is the End, the new Seth Rogen movie. And after that, we'll be uh, talking about a movie that came out a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we have some interesting things to say about it called The Purge with Ethan Hawke. And then we're going to be wrapping out the show today talking about World War Z, the long-lamented Mark Forster movie. And uh, is World War Z worth your time? Was that development hell worth it? We're going to find out, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, Right off the top of the show... If you go to thefilmfind.com, there you will find the links for everything in this show. I don't know if you guys are listening to this on uh, Stitcher or iTunes or streaming it from the website or whatever. Let us know, by the way, thefilmfind at gmail.com. But uh, if you go to thefilmfind.com, there you can find all the links to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on YouTube. And in the coming uh, coming weeks, we'll have more YouTube uh uh, content coming up. I'm going to be moving, and once I have my own little uh, office set up and everything, we're planning on doing more content and uh, just trying to, you know, give you guys some uh, entertainment. That's essentially what this all is: is informative entertainment. At least that's what I think. But uh, so yeah, go to thefilmfind.com, like us on Facebook, do all the things that you need to do on on the website there. And while you're at it, go and review us on iTunes. We're going to talk about it probably at the end of the show. But uh, Matt and I have some interesting things to give away to people who are going to either like you know review us on iTunes or give us some emails, some feedback. We want interaction from you guys, and uh, so please listen to the podcast. You know, write us, you know, tell us that you agree with our review or you disagree with our review, something like that. We want to have some interaction with you guys, and that's what's going to make this show bigger and better. So please do that. But uh, like I said, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to do a little bit of what you've been watching. Well, we <laughs> 
From the director who brought you Smokey and the Bandit, Hooper, Cannonball Run, comes the ultimate spectacle. Megaforce, an elite compact fighting unit armed with the most sophisticated weapons ever seen on a movie screen. The mission to preserve freedom and justice and battle the forces of evil. The good guys always win, even in the 80s. Megaforce. everybody welcome back we're gonna get into a little what you've been watching here matt what have you been watching this week all right so uh i got a couple of things first off i i uh fi- i finally got cinemax and uh oh so you've the- been watching a lot of really late night porn <laughs> aside from watching softcore really softcore i do want to say that they're like uh imported british tv series that they're showing as like cinemax originals or whatever um there, there, there are two of them. Uh, I haven't watched the third, Banshee. I haven't seen that one. But Strike Back and uh, Hunted are actually, like, really good. Um, I think – I know for a fact that Strike Back originally premiered on, like, the Sky Network in the UK. Um, but it's, it's a really solid, like, British special ops uh, series. It's, it's really fun. It's in, like, high-adrenaline action TV show. Um, that I that I've actually been really pleased with, and the hunted has uh, Melissa George as a as a, a government spy um, agent. It's really good. Um, so I've been watching those shows. Uh, I also, before getting into the big one that I that I saw this week and want to talk about a little bit, I also watched this really uh, crazy movie. Uh, well, it's not crazy. It's actually mostly bad, um, but I really enjoyed watching it. It's this uh, film from 1990 um, starring Alec Baldwin, Fred Ward, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Um, That's an interesting group. Called <laughs> called Miami Blues. Have you ever heard of this movie? I believe I've heard the name. It's, I don't. It's really like kind of weird and off kilter in that like wonderful like late eighties, early nineties way of really no one knows what makes a good movie anymore because they're like in the wake of basic, basic instinct and fatal attraction and stuff like that. So they, they just don't know like what's actually good pulp and what's bad pulp. Yeah. Um, anyway, we need Joe Esther house to write everything. (laughs) Right. So, so this is uh, directed by George Armitage, who I think is most critically acclaimed and well-known for having uh, written uh, The Late Shift, the the movie, the TV movie about um, Leno and 
Letterman's mm-hmm. uh, Late Night War, um, and for directing Gross Point Blank. Um, those are kind of his big two, uh, two big claims to fame. But uh, Miami Blues is just this weird, um, like cop thriller slash. I don't even know exactly like how to categorize it. Um, uh, Alec Baldwin plays this this guy who uh, gets out of prison and uh, like moves to Miami, and so it's got all the funky like pinks and blues color schemes that we're all familiar with. Um, and basically, he just starts a like a one man crime wave, pretending to be a police officer, and he falls in love with uh, with a college student slash prostitute played by uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, um, and Fred, like <laughs> Fred Ward is is this cop that's corrupt and is trying to take him down. It's really bizarre. Hmm. Um, I actually can't even tell you much more than that because it's so like weird and random. I could barely follow what was going on most of the time. Um, so it was a David Lynch but, film. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. There's like at least a weird, a weird dream logic to a David Lynch film. This was like a, like a coked out fetish high. I don't know like what so Joe Esterhaus did write it. <laughs> it is. It, it, it has the Esterhaus. But, but like, like you said, it's feel. that 90s kind of, that's what they yeah. kind of were headed for. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's in the heyday of like Alec Baldwin's sexy hunk leading man, uh, period. Um, but what a bizarre movie, uh, Miami blues. Um, if, if you can get your hands on a copy, I would imagine this would look great, uh, played on VHS. Um, <laughs> So, but the what, big a t- one, what a what an accolade! <laughs> the big one, the big one that I uh, that I saw this week was Sofia Coppola's Bling Ring, um, which was uh, just flat out fantastic. Man. Really, because uh, it's been getting somewhat mixed, if not possibly slightly negative reviews. Yeah, it's been getting very mixed reviews, and a lot of that probably has to do with the tone of it, which is uh, like I don't know. It's not like acerbic and witty it's more just like here are these people who are all unlikable in their own way um like like you don't identify with them i mean they're these completely absurd celebrity obsessed kids in hollywood like that are already uh like more privileged than you or i or anybody else right Mm -hmm. yet the way they like get their rocks off as they break into celebrities houses, Paris Hilton, Rachel, Rachel Bilson, et cetera, and, uh, steal shit from them. Yeah. And it's all, this is all based on the actual events that happened a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's based, yeah, it's based on a vanity fair article from 2010. Um, those kids have all since like been sentenced and have served some time and gotten out and are doing other things now. I heard they um, saw it and didn't like it. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't. <laughs> why? Why would they? It portrays them as the unlikable fucking assholes that they probably are in real life. What? Um, but I, but I will say that like Emma Watson is really great. Um, <laughs> like she just plays this girl who comes off as a total ditz, but like you totally know that she's going to make something of herself despite anything that's happened to her because there's that like drive that these fucking wacko, like slight, slightly sociopathic P 
people get like they're they're going to be something you know mm-hmm. um but it's kind of a scathing indictment of celebrity culture and our obsessions with celebrity in the in the United States while also being like almost that same thing which is interesting i, I like um, things like that um well like, and that's like uh like kind of like kind of like what edgar wright did with like you know hot fuzz and a couple of those things it's like here's what's bad about these things and then goes ahead and does them yeah it, it, but um, he did it you know in a fun way obviously yeah and 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 that's not to say that this movie's not funny it's just funny in a less obvious way i guess um I don't know. I, I really liked it. I, I like uh, Coppola's films a whole lot. Um, she's one of my favorite filmmakers, honestly. I know that sounds weird coming from a dude. Um, but I but I really do love her, uh, her aesthetic and her style. And I, and I think that this is right in line with it. And I think as a companion piece with, with Harmony Korine's uh, Spring Breakers, uh, like, that's a fucking double feature that everyone should have, I think. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's that, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's something I was, I was trying to see it this week, but, uh, I had already kind of had so many things already on the plate and, uh, we've had a whole rental car situation kind of thing going down. So that right. was made that a little bit difficult, but, uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm fairly, I, I'm, I would, I would consider myself a fan of Sophia Coppola's work. Um, I, I like most of it. There's only like one, I didn't see the, um, what was the one she did? Oh, is it the last one somewhere? No, I saw somewhere, which was okay. I mean, it was like it was what it was, and I know, and I could see why a lot of people didn't like somewhere because it was just a very slice of life kind of movie. Um, right. But uh, while I like her work, sometimes to me, some of her stuff seems forgettable. It's like I, I enjoy it, and I remember enjoying those movies, but a lot of times it's just like. Can I can I tell you what the plot is of the Virgin Suicides? I, I can't really remember all that well. But, you know, yeah. so it may not be for me, it's like stuff that I enjoy, but may not be the most memorable. It's like I, I have vague brushings of what uh, Lost in Translation was. I, I can't 100 percent tell you what that plot is because I, I just it maybe just maybe I haven't seen it enough. Maybe it just so. didn't make that kind of indelible uh, mark well, I on also, me. I also think that that's uh, that's like part of her style and aesthetic, though, like um like part of the reason that you don't remember what the plot of those movies are or like what exactly happens is because a lot of her stuff tends to be more about mood and tone mm-hmm. than about like the machinations of what's happening. So like if you're watching Marie Antoinette, right? Like that's the one I had seen. Okay, so so if you if for those of you out there who are familiar, you've probably like had thoughts along these similar lines. Like Marie Antoinette, everyone fucking knows. Like, the revolution is coming, right? Like, that's the plot machination. Like, Marie Antoinette's going down because everybody, like, views uh, the French royalty as just fucking uh, out of control, right? But what what the film is about is, uh, is, like, setting this tone of, okay, you've got Marie Antoinette who's, like, married into this position when she's, like, 16 years old or 14 or some shit. She's, like, a very young teenager. Um and it's like this never ending fucking party and she's completely oblivious to everything that's going on. You know what I mean? Uh, and the, and the film's really good about setting that tone by invoking, um, like eighties pop culture, like the excessiveness of shoe shopping of 
listening to fucking like new wave eighties uh, records. Right. Um, so I feel like the reason you may, you may not remember those things is because like, this is what her films tend to be about. It's more about like, like what is the like feel that we're trying to go for um, versus what are people doing? Mm. So anyway, that's my little slight review of the bling ring. I'll have some more up on the split screen uh, later this week. Very cool. All right, now let's get into what I've been watching. Uh, not 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 a ton, but uh, there's a documentary on Netflix called "That Guy Who Was in That Thing." It's from uh, 2012. I think it was originally. It's got to be a TV thing because it has a little rating of TV 14. It's only about an hour and 20 minutes, but uh, it's essentially a documentary about like 16 character actors and they're like struggles and stuff through Hollywood growing up, like where they came from. Uh, how they've developed in their career. And uh, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it is kind of sad because you don't really realize that a lot of these dudes who, you know, I guarantee you, if you watch this movie, the majority of these dudes, you'll be like, oh, I saw him in something. You probably won't be able to remember what it was, but you will be able to go, oh, I know this, this I knew him. I, oh, I've, I've seen this dude and stuff. But they're the guys who play, you know, the best friends or the, you know, the psychopathic killer or somebody who's just in the background, somebody's lawyer or something like that, the best friend, any any kind of, you know, just side small character, that's who these dudes play. Now, some of them you kind of go, well, you had this series. It's like uh, uh, Paul uh, Gilfoy or something. I forget, I forget how you pronounce his last name. But, uh, you know, he's like one of the – he's been one of the main guys in uh, – he's been like the – was he sheriff or whatever the fuck he is in uh, CSI, the the original CSI. He's been doing that for like 10 years. I'm like, well, that's a pretty good gig. But, uh, you know, things like that. And like guys like Bruce Davidson, Bruce Davidson's in it. And, uh, but you know, dudes that you recognize and you may not know their names, but you've seen them. And, uh, but it's, it's a good little, it's a quick documentary just about, uh, it's not made exceptionally well, but you're not really going for the production values of this. You're going for the interesting stories. So, uh, you know, if you like uh, you like seeing stuff about character actors, and um, or if you're an actor yourself, I know a lot of actors, and uh, God bless them. They're a they're they're a they're a struggling group, but I mean, if you love it, that's that is your thing, and you go for it. And uh, I like I throw all support out to those people because it is a tough fucking racket. I mean, there ain't ever nobody's you know. There's only one Brad Pitt out there. You know, we all can't be him. <laughs> yeah. I, I- you know, I, I want to give a quick shout out to um, a friend of mine, uh, Chuck Stevens, who's a film critic who writes for uh, like he does a lot of liner notes for Criterion, and he also um, writes for Film Comment and Cinemascope. Uh, his he has an article um, in Film Comment um, every month called "Face in the Crowd," and it's about like some long lost uh, like bit actor who had like this stellar career, but is largely forgotten now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he just chooses one person each, each issue and like writes an essay. And it's, uh, one of the most fascinating, uh, features, um, in film comment. So if you're interested in that sort of thing and you're interested in it, in sort of like a highfalutin kind of, kind of fashion, although Chuck is not, uh, like some high minded (laughs) critic, um, he he is very good at what he does, though, and that that is well worth everybody checking out on some level. Cool. 
And the other movie that I saw this week, a tiny little film, you may have heard of it. It's called Monsters University. I don't know. It's a little independent flick. But, yeah, Monsters University was the number one movie at the box office. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. It, it's, you know, it's not that you're not already going to know. Monsters University is the prequel to uh, Pixar and Disney's Monsters, Inc. And uh, I got to say... Pixar's back at it. It's uh, this is a really good movie. I'd put it only s- probably slightly just behind the original Monsters Inc., but uh, it's it's probably one of the better things that uh, that Pixar's kind of put out in a while. And um, but it, it's it's nice because if you've seen well, we've all pretty much seen Monsters Inc., but it gives you like a nice backstory. It's a prequel that actually works and makes the first movie enjoyable. Uh, George Lucas, I'm looking at you. Um, but you find out, you know, how these guys met and, uh, how, you know, different people, there's pretty much the entire cast comes back that you, that you remember, uh, from the first movie. And, uh, it's just Mike and Sully going to college, but it, it really follows, um, the, uh, the Mike character played by Billy Crystal and, uh, fantastically by Billy Crystal, by the way. Um, but his entire journey from when he was a tiny little kid seeing, you know, Monsters Inc. and seeing the uh, the scare floor and saying you know this is what I want to do and it's somebody who had all of this ambition and his in, like his only ambition in life was to be a scare to be this guy and uh, he had to try so hard to get it while you know someone like Sully scaring came very easily to them him and uh, just where that journey comes from and uh, it, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of nice, you know, kind of like collegey sort of uh, tropes that are in this movie, but they they totally work, and um, it's fun. It's just it's a lot of fun, and uh, I don't think at the end of the day the message is the same as what you would see in most Disney uh, films or Pixar films for that matter. Uh, and I won't really say what it is because I, I kind of want to let people go into that. But um, it's not your usual message, but I think it's a message that probably needs to be heard more than a lot of other. Uh, more what we might consider positive, uh, super uh, patchy on the back, you know, you can do anything kind of uh, uh, messages that <laughs> that we're slathering kids with today. But uh, Monsters University, um, it, it, it's great. And let me tell you, the level of animation in this thing is unfucking believable it is so good they the color the different color palettes and stuff that they use from they work a lot of different like weather in and uh so many different lighting situations the hair and skin and stuff on everything is so improved it is just it's just every single blade of grass just everything in it is just so immaculately done if even if you hate the story you got to watch it and just go this is this is an artistic you know piece of work right here and it's 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 a great movie overall i i really enjoyed it so uh, i i don't need to tell people to go out and see monsters <laughs> university as number one movie at the box office and it might be for a second week in a row I, I i think it's got a damn good chance to be so well i know i'm looking forward to it so all righty well that is what we've been watching we're going to take a break right now and boy do we have a boatload of films to review for you guys today we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with our review of this is the end with an earthquake, birds and snakes, an airplane, and Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, churn world, serve its own needs, dummy, serve your own needs, beat it up an ox, speak, grunt, no strength, the ladder starts to clatter with fear, fight down, high fire in a fire, represent in seven games, in a government for hire, in a combat site, 
All right, everybody, welcome back. We are now going to jump into our first of many reviews this week. Um, this movie came out. I wanted to talk about it. I said I was going to talk about it last episode, but I had totally uh, slipped my mind. Uh, I should write things down. I really should. But uh, uh, here is the trailer for This Is The End. Sad! <laughs> I have the best week I've ever planned. Jane Franco's having a giant party. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, if I don't fuck Michael Sarah tonight, I'm gonna blow my brains out. What's up, Brianna? What? Fucking pale, 110 pounds, hairless, probably has a huge cock. Don't fucking touch my bump, yeah. bitch. Yeah. Oh, a weird face. So hot. Everybody in the club Oh, what did you just fucking blow on me? Don't worry, it's just heroin. Are you shitting me? No, I'm just kidding, it's cocaine. But that's still very bad. is urging people to stay in their homes right now. Ah! Siegel's dead. Krumholz is dead. Michael Sarah's dead. In the bed? It's already going crazy out there, guys. I'm not leaving, okay? I'm a victim. When I was a kid, I had man titties. The bullies held me down. They titty fucked me. We are actors. We pretend to be hard, man. Yeah. We solved this baby shit. Helicopter. It's gonna be fine. Woo! Oh, you okay? No, I'm not okay! Fuck your house, Franco! What you want, son? You should just stay in here, fortify this bitch, and take inventory of all the food and shit we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, half ounce sour diesel, one ounce of shrooms, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way. I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. What you want, son? This is my game. This is my game. Get out of the way. What you want, honey? Watson showed up. Give me everything you have to drink. There are six of us. You cannot rob us. I'm not fucking around. Look at the drinks. Hermione just stole all of our shit. Please, you've got to let me in. Things have gone crazy out here. I'm sorry. We just don't know you, man. You could be like a looter or a rapist or a titty fucker. I'm not a rapist. You want to titty fuck us? If you want me to titty fuck you, I will. So good. Oh, you love us. There's something out here. All right, everybody, that was a trailer for This is the End, the new movie directed and co-wrote by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, starring as themselves Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco, uh, Danny McBride, uh, Jonah Hill, Joe Baruchel, uh, <laughs> Jay Baruchel, I don't know why I said Joe, that's weird, and uh, a cast of many, 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 and Craig Robertson, I want to, he's a main character, I don't want to leave him out, and uh, many others. Uh, this is, uh, it, it came out, what, two weeks ago now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, two weeks it's been a release. But uh, this, and, and I want to talk about this movie for several different reasons. But first of all, let's get into it for what it is. Um, so Jay Baruchel comes to uh, Hollywood to visit his friend Seth Rogen, and they um, 
go to go to a party one night at James Franco's house, big giant housewarming party. Tons of celebrities are there. If you've seen a Judd Apatow movie, you've seen every person that's in this movie, uh, and then some. But um, and then all of the sudden, all of a sudden, the apocalypse happens, or something somewhat similar to it. Uh, they go out to get a pack of smokes, and all of a sudden, these people are. Uh, drawn up into you know big blue lights and stuff and they're trying to uh and then a giant sinkhole opens up pretty much every celebrity that you just saw dies except for the handful of you know our main actors and then uh and then they have to you know board themselves up and find out what the hell is going on here and uh hilarity ensues as uh with this cast of characters you would imagine that it would um let's start here uh matt what did you think about this at the end uh, I thought it was um, just absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, I liked everything about it, um, which is rare for a comedy these days, even from uh, like the Apatow clan, um, who, I, who all of whom I'm actually quite fond of. But uh, yeah, man, like this has got to be maybe the best comedy out of Hollywood in quite some time, I would think. Um, it's fucking no holds barred. Uh, like really biting uh, humor, um, but also like very just absurd and thoughtful in many ways too. And uh, you know, it's, it works as a lampoon. It works as a horror movie. It works as uh, some comment about celebrity culture um, and how we perceive celebrities. It, it, I just think it's all around pretty fucking great. Yeah, that's what that is. I, you're, you're exactly right on all those points, and I agree 100%. I mean, you know, all of these guys are playing, you know, kind of versions of themselves or versions that people think of them as themselves. You know, James Franco is this, you know, star who absolutely loves himself and is a little bit kind of off kilter and just a just kind of a weird dude. And, uh, you know, the only person really, and Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill, I don't know what his character is supposed <laughs> to represent, but he's just, he's such an odd, weird, you know, cornball guy. Danny McBride is fucking Danny McBride. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, it's like, I don't know of anything that you see that dude in. It's like, yes, he's playing like a role in, say, you know, East Mounted Down and Foot Fist Way, but like, I don't think that this guy's personality can't not come out when he's, you know, playing a role. Mm-hmm. And everything that you you read about him or hear in interviews or you know uh, you know any stories that you hear people tell about him is just like that is that fucking dude, and that is hilarious. <laughs> and then and then there's like people that uh, you know so and then there's people like you know Michael Sarah who you know is playing his exact opposite type in this. He's just a coked out crazy maniac who's just you know slapping Rihanna on the ass and you know you know getting his dick sucked in a bathroom and shit. So. Um, but it is uh you're right it's absolutely funny it talk it's 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 a commentary on that and uh really at the same time i was i was kind of surprised and we're, it's not too much of a spoiler but uh it is it is kind of i it was a it was a bit more um I, maybe we can say philosophical you know without getting into kind of spoilery than than i had imagined it would be and and yeah. i enjoyed that and uh one of the one of the greater uh, envisionings of uh, what could happen after life that, that I've enjoyed seeing in films in quite some time. Yeah, it but, was a lot of fun in that regard too. And like, uh, like it's weird for a movie that like like is kind of 
like there are some mean spirited jokes in this like some like they they were pretty much like given carte blanche to to each other to just like say the most fucked up thing about each other like all these friends mm-hmm. right like all the dudes that are all hanging out in real life like they they came up with characters but then like they were just they went wild and like there are some really cruel things said uh, from one friend to another in this film, yet like at the core of it, there's like this philosophy of like, like that that Bill and Ted moment of like just be excellent to one another. Yeah, you know, like that's the that's the message is like you you know you can fucking curse out whoever you want to and like call him a fucking dick and James, uh, whatever. One of the best lines was, James Franco didn't suck anybody. This is Danny McBride, by the way, so you can get like the cadence. James Franco didn't suck anybody's dick last night. Now I know y'all high. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, uh, and I, I think like the, the ability for the, for the film to balance those two things, right? Like this very nasty, mean spiritedness within with within which the jokes seem to operate more often than not um like personal interactions um versus like this actually like very sweet uh message which is that these are all my friends and we're like really just into hanging out and like that's what we should be doing yeah even though even though we fucking can't stand each other sometimes you know and and honestly, I want to say that uh, you know, and, and there there's some chicks that might not like this, and I know Laura agrees with me, so I can I can, I can say this. <laughs> my my wife says it's okay; she agrees. But um, this is it, it's it's also very much a comment about about guys in that way. Is that we can all I I've always said that you know, dudes, we can go out, we can call each other every name in the book, and we can go so far as to literally beat the shit out of each other, and the next day we go back to being best friends again. Yeah, and women don't don't tend to have that kind of you know interaction with each other. If somebody says you know that skirt looks ugly, you might hate each other for the rest of your life. That's a possibility, but it is very much it's a it's a dude broy movie, but not in in my opinion, not in a kind of douchey way at all. It no, is at it all. is very much how you know. It, that's a lot of how I interact with my friends, especially like you know I, I'm a, I, you know I st- I'm a stand up as for fun and you know no profit, um, but that is how the majority of us just you know just t- communicate with each other is just constant ripping and it's yeah. it's it's how guys communicate because we can't express our true emotions we can't cry in front of each other so we just call each other dickheads, but. It's it's a great movie. Danny McBride is kind of like the uh, the pebble in the shoe of the entire thing. You know, he is who he is and doesn't give a fuck about anybody else, and he's there to kind of ruin everybody's party, and uh, he does it in such a just a fantastic way. And uh, he at one point the, the montage of him making breakfast is fucking awesome. <laughs> just that is is really yeah. good because you know what's coming. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's him, you know. Like very obviously, they show him from the back, you know, his fucking curly ass fro mullet, <laughs> and uh, you know, like yeah, he fucking walks away with every scene he's in, which is what he's done like throughout his career so far. What I also liked is how how very self effacing the movie was too. Is that they do call out their own shit? It's just going look. <laughs> We haven't done anything. They, you know, you know, they talk about how you know Green Hornet was kind of a bust, and like, oh, you did this piece of shit movie. Well, you did this, and 
but they, like, and so they can do things like that. And then, uh, they talk shit about Jonah Hill's Oscar nomination, <laughs> like multiple times, you know, you're an Oscar winning actor. I expect more out of you than that. Well, I believe that that was good, <laughs> but, and, and also, um, yeah, so so there's that the interrelationship, the interpersonal relationship between all of them. There are a couple of shout outs to a, a few classic horror films which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of which I don't think. I mean, obviously there's one major one, but um, the you know it, it involves Jonah Hill. Well, they both involve Jonah Hill, but uh, a, a line he he says, "I was the only one in the theater laughing at it because I'm like, really nobody else, nobody else is getting what movie this is from. Oh, you guys suck." But um. <laughs> It's it's was it, so good. Was it, was it? This is no dream. This is really happening. <laughs> yes. That line, fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was just there going, "Oh, really? Am I the only one who's okay? I'm the only one who's yeah, seen movies. It's experience. good. Same experience. But um, yeah, over overall, it it really was. I was I wanted to say something else, but it's totally slipped my mind. But uh, it, it's a great movie. It's a great soundtrack. They have the. Uh, an envisioning of what a Pineapple Express 2 would be like, and I would totally watch that movie. And then it's it's so weird because for some reason it almost didn't click that it's like, oh, yeah, everyone who was in Pineapple Express is in this movie. Yeah. But uh, – Yeah, this is almost like a sequel to Pineapple Express. It is in many In its ways. own way. Yeah. yeah. But I would – I definitely would – I'd still really enjoy seeing a Pineapple Express 2 in – some fashion, even if it was like I that exact that movie that they made. Actually, yeah, that plot line's pretty on point. I would go see that. I don't give a shit. But uh, I also want to talk about this for a second. Yeah. Um, there's another reason, not only that this is a great movie, and honestly, it's probably probably my favorite movie of the summer so far, I think. Uh, and that's saying something, because you know, we've had a lot of big movies this summer, and nothing's really super hitting uh, real dramatic way for me. This is the first one I walked out of going, fuck yeah, that was that was that was great. Mm-hmm. Um but this movie cost thirty million dollars to make. And right now I I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me. I, I should have before I started this actual uh rant. But uh it, it's made more than well more than that back. It's um so far it's grossed uh just in the US uh 62.3 million dollars. Okay. And so uh, according to what some people consider the, you know, budgetary math as it were, tw- two and a half times your budget, you're profitable. So they're by the end of this run they're definitely going to make that. So what I want to say is like not only should you go out and see this because it is a great film, these are people that are doing it the right fucking way. Uh, and, there are too many movies out right now that cost way too much money and shouldn't cost that much. And this is a movie who, on a very small budget, put together something that has a pretty decent-sized scope to it. It's not, you know, fucking Independence Day or anything, but it is, it, it's got enough scale to it that it seems like a fairly decent-sized movie. You wouldn't think it cost 30 You'd probably say, eh, it's 50 60 you know, somewhere in that range. Yeah, the special effects are actually like really well done. You can see that everything, like every dollar spent, is on the screen. Yeah, and which is rare, you and, know. And, and you know, these dudes all kind of took cuts in their salaries in order, you know, to do this thing. But that's that's what it should be. I mean, there there are too many people putting out too much shit for too much money. Hollywood is going out of control, and you know Spielberg and Lucas talked about this recently. You know the possible imploding of the Hollywood system, as it were, which is interesting coming from two guys that helped uh, get away from 
get away from a Hollywood system, recreate a new one for themselves, and then almost become that monster themselves, which, you know, it's kind of a legendary story of, of things like that, of people, you know, overturning things and becoming that monster themselves. And, um, but it, it, it's, it's a possibility, but I think more, I think people need to, you know, put their money, you know, to something like this, to where somebody, there was a group of people who were fiscally responsible, made something entertaining for a low amount of money and made a quality product as opposed to throwing a whole bunch of money at the screen and seeing what, you know, you know, stuck and made it good. They said, you know, we're just going to go out and make something good. Yeah. And it's, and it's good. It's really good. All right. So, um, I, I don't know too much more to say. I don't really want to get into spoilers or anything. I, you know, it's a comedy, but, uh, I, I think we can just kind of let that lie as it were, but, uh, Definitely go out and see it. So you're probably going to, you know, there's not going to be a ton of people that are going to see this right now because, like we said, it's been out about two weeks now. So, uh, you know, you may even get the, the screening to yourself or have a few other people in there. So, yeah. But if, you know, something, this is also the type of movie that I feel like some people are usually on the fence about whether or not they're going to show up and like pay the money to see it. This is worth your money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that that's something that, that needs to be said. So if you were on the fence and you've just been hanging out waiting to find out what anyone uh, – maybe you trust us, maybe you don't. But you've got two guys here sitting here like telling you uh, this movie's fucking on point uh, and worth your hard-earned eleven fifty. Yeah, I mean, um, and for Christ's sakes, go to go to an AMC Monday through what Thursday or whatever. Like yeah, all shows Monday are like Thursday. five bucks, so it's like, yeah. how the hell can you beat that? You know, right? Take a take a Tuesday off. Go see this is the end. Good flick. I don't know why I went to a weird Robert De Niro esque sort of thing there, but you get my <laughs> point. You get my drift. You get it. All right, that's terrible. All right, everybody, we are going to take a quick break, and we are going to come back with a movie that's even older <laughs> than this is the end. Uh, <laughs> But it's something I think we need to talk about anyway. And also I, I think equally as profitable, I think. Mm, well, I, I don't know the numbers of it, so I can't, I can't speak to that. But, uh, so we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, and uh, we're going to talk about The Purge. Keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Come back tomorrow night and try it again. You said you love me, and you can't come in. You said you love me, and you can't come in. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are going to now delve into the movie that uh, June 7th, so a little while back now. But uh, uh, Laura and I saw it on our uh, honeymoon. Could have picked a better movie for a honeymoon. Uh, not, not exactly the most romantic thing in the world. But uh, So now we're going to talk about The Purge, the brand new movie uh, directed by James DeMontego. Is that, is that anything? I don't know. I'm so, uh, I'm so uh, horrible. DeMonico? DeMonico? Sure. Monaco is what I have. All right. Directed by James DeMonaco, uh, starring Ethan Hawke. And uh, here's a listen to the trailer. Tonight allows people a release for all the hatred and violence that they keep up inside them. Why don't you guys kill someone tonight? Because we don't feel the need to, Johnny. Just remember all the good the purge does. We'll be fine just like always. No worries, Okay. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. At the siren, 
All emergency services will be suspended for 12 hours. Your government thanks you for your participation. Help me! Someone, please, help me! I just need to get someone safe. Does anybody hear me? idea who's after him. Our target for this year's purge is hiding in your home. You have one hour to find him and give him to us, or we'll kill all of you. They can't get in here, right? They can't get into our home. the movie uh our new our new our second of three new reviews this week uh here's the plot synopsis from imdb a family is held hostage for harboring the target of a murderous syndicate during the purge a 12-hour period in which any and all crime is legalized now uh we, we talked about it a little bit before the break here but uh matt talk about the actual budget and uh how much money this movie has made because i i found it surprising because i didn't really i didn't really follow the numbers on this one and this is a movie that i don't think a lot of people really knew about and no one actually i heard a lot of like industry professionals say yeah. like this movie snuck up on them and all of a sudden it was just like two weeks before it was like oh shit this is a movie yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, so so anyway, like uh, this is actually one of the highest, uh, like most profitable films of the summer. Uh, Ethan Hawke is having a really good year, actually, um, between this and Before Midnight. Um, but uh, like this film's budget was uh, was an estimated three million dollars. Three million. Opening weekend, it made thirty four million, just here in the U.S. And its uh, total gross so far in the U.S. is sixty point six million. So it has, you know, twenty fold uh, made That's its made its budget back. Pretty um, amazing. I mean, for a movie that and let's face it, who's seen this movie? I don't think a ton of people have. I I mean, it's I will say that I saw it uh, about a week and a half ago. So week about a week and a half after its release. And, uh, like it was pretty packed in there, man, uh, for this, uh, like night show that I went to, it was, there were people in there. Um, it wasn't sold out or anything, but I think it's doing like really strong, steady business. Um, but it's definitely like buoyed by that opening weekend, 34 million. Um, but yeah, it's kind of astounding. It just came out of nowhere. No one was really expecting it. I mean, here's this like little, extremely low budget, uh, horror flick released, you know, second week of June and nobody really paid it much attention. Um, but here it is. And it's like, just made a ton of uh, money. And they've already um, announced a purge to, according to IMDB here. There's going to be a purge too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, honestly, they'd be stupid not to announce it. Um, 
particularly with the way this film ends, which is one of the one of several big problems I have with it. Yeah, uh, essentially, you know, like 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 we said before, it, it's a thing where all like for twelve hours, once every year, all crime is legal, and um, it, it's kind of it is it's a purge for them. It's 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 what some of the people in it just kind of call it. it's a great cleansing of everything. People get everything out, and so crime rate is all low. No one's you know doing anything because everybody waits for this one day and then lets it all out. And in theory, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great ideas and stuff in this movie. And I think you know the reason it has made the money that it has was a fantastic uh, promotion. Uh, their, their promotion for this movie was actually really, really good. I mean, the first trailer I saw was just like, "Ooh, that's great concept, great idea, decent mm-hmm. looking trailer." And so I was, I was stoked to see it. So, uh, but. Uh, I, while there's a lot of great ideas in there, ultimately for me, this movie falls short in in many ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that there's about being generous. There's like 35 to 40 percent of a really great horror flick in The Purge. Um, the rest of it is like a really bad horror flick. Um, yeah. I, what, where do you want to start? I mean, what what was one of your what were what was one of your main like issues? Because I I could name a couple off the top of my head, but well, ultimately uh, in the let's end, talk about some of them. I guess yeah, ultimately in the end, and and you know I'm not going to spoil this or anything, but uh, you know as one would imagine, something's going to build to a head. And for me, the ultimate the ultimate failing of this movie is you had stuff that built and built and built and built. And then it was a complete letdown because nothing truly happened. It felt like they were building up and crescendoing to this big giant event, and then that event really didn't didn't happen to the uh, extent that you wanted it to. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. I mean, something happens. There's definitely a really like shittily pulled off Deus Ex Machina uh, to this, you know. Um, we're just like there's fucking salvation out of nowhere, and then even that turns out to not be what it seems, and then it fucking happens again. Um, yeah. And th- I think like there were a series of choices made as far as getting from point B to point C, right? So if you think of a three act, like the first act's really solid, second act mostly solid, third act just fucking falls apart. Yeah. Um, when the, the act that you need to be the strongest in this, I mean, you honestly, you probably could have slacked off a bit in the, in act two and mm-hmm. it been not nearly, you know, it, it been a bit more forgivable than slacking off in, in act three when you really need things to pay off. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, man, there are just some odd choices that like walking out of the theater, I could not like understand why they had been made. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see what the sequel does. I mean, it's kind of like Paranormal Activity 2, where you're just like, well, this had something else to do um, with this movie that I sort of liked to begin with, and I still like the concept. So, okay, I'm in for another one. But, okay. like, you know, that, well, let's that kind talk, of stuff. Yeah, okay, let's, with that in mind, let's talk about this for a second and, and, and my thoughts of where they could possibly go with the sequel. Now... 
essentially what this all kind of comes down to is, is, is there's a lot of things that are somewhat, you know, allegorical in it, but I think it almost gets lost in its allegories itself because I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure that the writer-director really knows exactly what he's trying to say or or if he does, he's not able to convey it well enough to really make us understand. Uh, so essentially with The Purge, um, what what it, what is claimed is that the reason that you know there's no crime, things are going down, is because essentially all the poor people are being wiped out. So, and you would think it would be poor people on poor people, but then as we as we see in the movie, the uh, the people that are uh, going after the gentleman that ends up inside their house when their kid lets them uh, lets the man in their house. They're actually very affluent people. So these affluent people go out and they're like, hey, you're one of us. Give us this person. This is something that we need to do. And not only it seems that not only they feel the need to get this kind of mayhem out of themselves and, you know, free themselves of that. But at the same time, it's like they are purging us of, you know, what they consider to be the dregs of society. And uh, it, it works in this in in a sense, but at the same time, it's by the end, it's almost coming back and not really. It doesn't say anything because the the, yeah. ha- the the haves are the have-nots, and it's it's a little tough to explain without getting super spoilery. But um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really it doesn't make a ton of sense. But what I think would be interesting for a sequel because we're, we're, we're seeing this movie from Ethan Hawke's family. And they mentioned this uh, early on that, you know, his family is kind of a, they're like a, almost kind of a new money type family. They've been selling these security systems, these high end security systems to everybody in the neighborhood and stuff. So they could, you know, survive the purge. All you just mm-hmm. hole up in your house while all of this crazy mayhem and shit goes on. So he's t- selling everyone these top-notch security systems so they can keep their, you know, wealth and safety and everything all in check while all of this mayhem goes on once a year. And so he's profiting off of these people. And what I would like to so he so he's the haves in this particular situation. What I would like to see in the sequel would be kind of the reverse of this. I would I would be interested to see kind of a a, a lower perspective and versus, you know, the, the upper class. I think that mm-hmm. would be an interesting angle for for a sequel. Yeah, I think you're right. I'd, yeah. I'd like to see that. But um now this movie Reminded me, especially even even in the trailer, uh, reminded me of another movie, um, a movie that I think is a far superior movie called The Strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Strangers came out a couple of years ago. I forget. I want to say it's like '09, perhaps. If I'm thinking off the top of my head correctly, I could be wrong. Somewhere yeah, I can I can seek it out somewhere in that neighborhood. But um, it, it was. Um, Liv Tyler is in the movie, and it is uh, it's essentially like she and her uh, husband are out in this uh, remote cabin and everything, and all of a sudden someone knocks at their door. There's a little girl there, and she's just like, um, is so-and-so home? They're like, that that person isn't here. I don't know who you're talking about. Are you sure? And then she just kind of goes away, and then there's like a knock at the door and knocks and other people, and then people show up in masks. And it is a out-and-out creepy fucking-ass movie. And uh, if you have a if you have a great sound system, you know, watch that flick. Turn it up at night. It is uh, it's fucking frightening, and um, 
if you're gonna watch a if you're gonna watch a movie that's kind of like this, uh, definitely definitely seek that one out. It's a it's a far superior film in, in my in my mind. But um, yeah, it was uh, 2008, by the way. Ah, uh, it's very um, close. 2000. I said 2009. Yeah. So that's that's probably when I saw it was 2009. Though. Fucking man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just Scott Speedman, man. You remember that guy? Yeah, he, yeah. He was gonna be something. I was gonna, was gonna be, be somebody, and then he turns out to be. But there's a lot of like um, tension. The, the tension in that movie is what I wanted in The Purge. It's uh, there's a lot of like very quiet moments, very like you know there there are some jump scares, but then there's some stuff that is just like out and out, just dramatically very very frightening, and the end, uh, which happens in broad daylight, is fucking ridiculously scary so uh yeah definitely check out the the strangers uh it's available on dvd and Blu-ray. I, I do want to say like uh like there are some really tense moments in the purge that work really well um and i actually am fond of lena hetty uh in the in the movie even at the end um i think she's doing some terrific work uh but unfortunately as far as the plot's concerned, she's almost like served a shit sandwich, basically, um, and then like told to eat it with a smile, you know. Uh, but but she's actually really great, and uh, nobody seems to be mentioning that in anything I've read about the the movie. Is like Lena Headey is like fucking terrific, um, and she has been for a while. But finally, she's starting to get these roles where people are actually seeing her. Like aside from Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, man, yeah, she's, she's terrific. So, I, so I do want to say like, I really loved her in the purge. And I definitely want to, uh, mention, uh, Reese Wakefield. Uh, oh yeah. The guy Can who we talk about this? Main fucking yeah. Go right ahead. What a fucking turd, man. <laughs> he is a, this guy sucks. Uh, like his whole reason, I, I guarantee I fuck like, they cast this motherfucker. They had to after they had designed the masks that the kids wear. They had to have like cast him afterward because his whole purpose is like making the same stupid grinning face that all the masks have on them and uh, like overplaying his fucking like villainous self righteous privileged privileged rich kid bit. You know, like I just I like, like that a, though. I. <laughs> Yeah, but I liked it, but he sucks, man. Like he is fucking terrible. And uh, now, now, good now, 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 I tell you, now, now I'm gonna make you mad. <laughs> now I'm gonna make you mad because I think, and you know, it's gonna happen. You know, it's gonna happen. Warner Brothers cannot, you know, turn down, turn away money. And if you know how to make money, yeah. you, you do it. Um. So there's going to be another Batman movie at some point. He's my number two choice for a possible Joker replacement. I think he could probably pull it off. Maybe, but man, like what a fucking turd. I think that's what you need, though. But by the way, he's a, he's a he's a far second from my number one choice for a new Joker. If they could, if they decide that they could go this old, but they probably won't. They'll probably try to go with somebody young. So that's why I bring him up. But my number one choice, if Warner brothers is willing to go for a slightly older Joker, number one choice, find me anyone who can deny me this choice. Vincent Cassell. 
Yeah. Fucking who could do better? That nope, dude would I, I be an it. amazing Joker. Yeah. I just no, I'm with you on that. I I don't know what Warner's going to do on that front, but but you know Jesus they're going to do something. It's going to happen. I mean, it might it might take another seven years, but uh, there will be another Batman movie. And well, you also know they're just going to fucking reboot it, man. Unless they can rope Nolan back into it, like they're just going to fucking reboot it, and uh, we're going to get I another. I don't think he's another gonna do fucking anything. origin story. Let me tell you, Christopher Nolan likes to talk high and mighty like he's fucking Mister Auteur. All right. But uh, like when it comes down to it, he's a I'm going to do one for you. Let me do one for me kind of guy. And if Warner Brothers comes to him and says, look, we know you could do pretty much anything you wanted uh, with almost any uh, company out there. Um, But would you like to do like another Batman if we fund like two more for you movies? Uh, That fucking guy's in. I I would I would completely agree with you pre inception. Post inception, I don't think I can agree with that. I think had inception not done what inception did, which was fucking blow the roof off the box office in so many ways, it was just like, hey, looks what look what happens when you give the right person enough money. Now he yeah, probably I- could have done something with even less money, but it's like when you give the right person the right thing. I think at any point they just want to be in the Chris Nolan camp well, no matter what. Here's here's where I'm going to piss you off. I think Inception's pretty fucking terrible. Oh. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I I think that what that movie made a shit ton of money off of was riding the Dark Knight's coattails. Like mm. I, I I really do. Like I think Inception's not very good. Um it's like half-baked concoction. It's got Nolan's like trademark fucking problem of instead of showing us something, he has a character tell us about something Uh, like all that cool shit that you can do in dreams and what, what fucking happens. Leonardo DiCaprio sits down with a fucking what's her name and uh, like tells her about what happens and you don't fucking see like almost any of it while he's talking about it. It's just like, Oh, we're sitting here and then like, Oh, this is changing a little bit like fucking Give me a goddamn break, man. Oh. Overwritten. You can tell this guy fucking studied literature because he because he writes his screenplays like they're goddamn novels, you know. I I, I can I can see your argument. I disagree, but I but I, <laughs> but I understand. I, but but I also think like uh, like money at the end of the day will speak, and like Nolan will get fucking roped back in, and that will be the only way they don't do a fucking reboot. Hmm. Uh, like like other than that, they're just going to leave it as is and like reboot the hell out of it, and probably hire Zack Snyder to direct it. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mention this. I want to make a real a quick quick thing because I, I, I meant to I meant to say this uh, on last episode talking about Man of Steel, and I know we're talking we were talking about the birds, but fuck it, it's not that great a movie, so we're talking about other stuff. But. Uh, it's uh, it was Zack Snyder uh, by 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 slight way of Terrence Malick. Was it, did you get such a Terrence Malick vibe throughout the, with the cinematography of that flick? Yeah, such a fucking Malick can, vibe in that. Can movie. I tell you something though? Like like I think, and that's uh, not a bad thing. No, I think I think cinematographically, like uh, this is probably Man of Steel was probably Snyder's strongest film since Watchmen, and possibly since Dawn of the Dead. 
Like I, I don't care about three hundred that much. No, I, I don't either. I don't. I don't. It, I do not get that movie's uh, love. I don't get it. But you know, like, uh, like I think like there's something nice going on in Man of Steel uh, visually that is not. Well, you know what? You know what he doesn't do. He doesn't slow anything down. I mentioned that. <laughs> I yeah, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. When I listened last week, I was like, "Thanks for pointing that out, Adam." Um, but yeah, he doesn't like slow it down and then speed it back up. There's none of that bullshit, and uh, it looks it looks great, man. Man of Steel looks good, if nothing else. And I and I also want to say, uh, just because you had Sean on and he really uh, fucking hated the beginning of that movie. Which I think is the best half hour of that movie. Like, like all the stuff on Krypton. Like, thank you, Warner, for like allowing this to go as hard sci-fi fantasy as you did before bringing us back to Earth. And like, I, I don't know. Like, who cares? Superman, uh, like canon. Okay, so Jarrell doesn't ride fucking dragons in the comic books. You know what? He fucking did in the movie, and it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, I, okay. I I liked I liked most of that though. There were some things where I was just like, and and I saw it in two D. So and and so I can still even say this, but it was like some of the stuff. It's just like whew, it it was like After Earth, where you're just like, so that's where the green screen is right there. Mm-hmm. That's a little annoying, but you know it is what it is. All right, that's a review of the Purge. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed uh, overall, it. Overall, like I will say that the Purge is probably a two and a half star movie. Um, out, that, out of five, yeah. we'll say out of five. Yeah, uh, I, I think I fell in the same boat. That's being a little generous, but I really did like what I liked about it. Um, just what I didn't like about it was just there was far more of it in the movie. Yeah, it's one of those that you don't go out just going that was an utter piece of shit. But you're just, but it is like, yeah, it was I no gotta, I gotta give it, I gotta give it a little bit of something for having something in there, and maybe, maybe it will be one of those things that the sequel kind of. Uh, brings it to another level and who knows it could be like like paranormal activities two and three which i don't think that those movies get the credit they they deserve for uh you know everybody thought oh fuck paranormal activity two what are they going to do with this and it actually helped grow the mythos of the story Mm -hmm. and as as did three and so that's up until four. Four kind of just yeah. yeah. I haven't seen four yet, but three I think is actually the strongest. Of but them. they but they they took they took the actual movie and said, okay, we're going to take this and we're going to build upon it. And by watching you know two and three, you appreciated one even more. Yeah. And so I, I hope that that's something that they can accomplish uh, with the purge too. And um, here's to hoping. And if they and if they do it for another three million dollars or fuck double the budget and go to six, you know, if they can do the same thing again, I mean, it was and, and exactly it's it's on that exact paranormal activity tip to where it's just like if you can make it for X and it makes Y, you're gonna do them forever. Yeah. Well, isn't it isn't it also the production company one of the guys uh, that did that? Uh, what's his fucking com- Bloomhouse Productions or something like that? I think so. I, th- I think that's one of the like one of the dudes along with uh, Oren Pelly who did the who did the uh, the paranormal yeah, movies, paranormal activity movies. So yeah. Also produced by Michael Bay. We didn't mention that. One of the few original things that motherfucker is doing is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so the purge. I would say if you got a free red box rental, go ahead. It, it, yeah, it's, it's all right, that. you know. So and you know when paranormal or when the, the purge two comes out, you'll 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 be caught up. 
But uh, all right, that, so that is our uh, review for the Purge. Uh, it's okay, but not great. Not well, a little less than good. <laughs> yeah, a little less I, than good. Certainly not great. I'll uh, I'll end by aping everybody's uh, rev- like fanboy review of Man of Steel and just say Meh, the Purge. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are going to take a little break, and we're going to come back with our final review of this week. Uh, Come on, what other podcasts are you getting three big, giant reviews on? I don't know. There's probably some. (laughs) We didn't do a full monster (laughs) review. Probably so. Probably so, but (laughs) it's the only one that you're listening to right now. (laughs) We'll put it to you that way. But uh, we're going to come back with our final review of this week, uh, the new movie World War Z. Little Sammy was a punk rocker. He know his mother never understand him Went into his room and smashed his Billy Bragg record Didn't want him to hear that communist lecture All right, everybody, welcome back. We are going to jump into our final review of this episode. Uh, this movie uh, did pretty well at the box office, uh, despite, mm, we'll say it's possible troubled history. Here is a trailer for World War Z. <laughs> yeah, are these the roots? What is it? Statue of Liberty or Snowman. <laughs> Daddy, what's martial law? still dark. Life as we know it will come to an end in 90 days. It's on us to change that. I can't leave my family. Don't pretend your family is exempt. When we talk about the end of humanity. I don't want to leave you. I have to go. I'll be back and say memo sent from this installation. Pretty obvious nobody back home bothered to read it. If I could get into Russia, where would I start? Russia's a black hole. I need answers. Guns are half measure. You with the CIA? But they're not with me. Karen. Is there anything left out there? If we knew where this thing started, maybe we could kill it. These things have a weakness. Every human being we save. It's one less to fight.
All right, everybody, that was the trailer for World War Z, the new films uh, directed by Mark Forster, uh, produced by Brad Pitt and starring Brad Pitt. Uh, screenplay uh, by... Now, see, this is where things get difficult. <laughs> so the original story is based on a Max Brooks, son of Mel Brooks, for those of you who don't know, uh, book of the same name, and essentially uh, th that's about all they have in common. Uh, so Max Brooks was not consulted for this movie at all. Um, essentially, his book is kind of like a documentation of, you know, it, it reads kind of like a like a UN thing of what happened after the war. Now, I myself have not read the book, but I did read I did read Max Brooks's uh, Zombie Survival Guide, which if you have not read it, it is fantastic. Do, your fa do yourself a favor and read that. I think you can actually buy them in like a combo right now. Yeah, they're both great. But, World War Z is great. It's it's very serious, although like very black humor. Yeah, but uh, he. Yeah, I mean, if there's anybody like I think Max Brooks has really become kind of this uh, authority on zombies. I mean, you read the Zombie Survival Guide, it's just like, does this dude know some shit we don't? Because <laughs> this seems like really really smart. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, yeah, like I said, directed by Mark Forster. Uh, so the initial story. For, for the movie was by uh, Matthew Michael Carnahan and J. Michael Straczynski. Now, Jacob Michael Straczynski, for those of you who don't know, uh, he created Babylon 5. He's quite the prolific comic book writer. Uh, you know, works include like Rising Stars, a great run on Amazing Spider Man. Uh, what are some of the other? He's done a lot of new things recently, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he's been writing a bunch of books I haven't read because I'm waiting on them to come out and trade. He, uh, I, th he, I think, I believe he, I know he wrote, he wrote the, uh, he wrote a, a good, decent arc of Thor, and I think he actually wrote He's the writing Thor. the, he's writing, I think he's writing the, no, maybe not. Never mind. He's, he has nothing to do with that book. I thought that he was attached to uh, Dynamite for some reason to do uh, Battlestar Galactica, but I think that's, um, like Dan Abnett or something, something like that. So not J. Michael Straczynski. But yeah, I mean he's he's done a lot of stuff for a lot of different things, and he's he's considered quite 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 the writer. And I, I've always been a big fan of his. Um, if if you like the uh, the television series Heroes, go go read the twenty four issue series of uh, Rising Stars. It's what I wanted Heroes to be. And there's very many. There's several parallels between the Heroes stuff too. And uh, but it's like a hundred times better. Um, good stuff. But so essentially they wrote the screenplay and, uh, I want to, I'm trying to bring up the actual article here, but the, that, the, that early draft went around, around, I want to say it was like 2008, 2009 ish. Yeah. And people were like, holy shit, this is going to be an amazing movie. Uh, let's see. Uh, th there was a script that, yeah, it was 2008. So in March 2008, Ain't It Cool News I printed a review of the script, and this is a quote from that review. Not just a good adaptation of a difficult book, but a genre-defining piece of work that could well see us all arguing about whether or not a zombie movie qualifies as a best picture material. Pretty fucking high praise. <laughs> they, re you know, said it was stylistic, it seems stylistically, uh, you know, similar to Children of Men and things like that, so... You know, seems like the level that they were going to. So this movie, though, had like just absolute development hell. Um, yes. Years of it. Exactly. So, you know, it came out in 2013, and this sucker has gone back all the way to, you know, 2007, 2008. 
Yeah, I think its original release date was going to be like November 2010, and then they like put off actually shooting it and did another pass of the screenplay. And then eventually they ended up getting uh, like last year they hired on uh, like uh, Damon Lindelof, who uh, you know, fuck that guy. Damon Lindelof, um, Andrew Goddard, so both of uh... Drew Goddard, like uh, after particularly after Cab- uh, Cabin uh, in the Woods, um, like I, th- I feel like they hired him on for some like serious rewrite uh, material. Um, but yeah, like you know, last year it went into reshoots. Like, it was supposed to come out in the fall, and then it went into reshoots for another, like, six months, and like, here it is, finally. And uh, something kind of miraculous happened <laughs> yeah, <laughs> during, on, during that process. On the, something miraculous happened on the way to development hell. They actually put out a pretty decent movie. <laughs> I mean, it's really, there's, by every right, this movie should be an utter piece of shit. Yeah, but it's not. It's actually pretty decent. I'm not going to sit here and tell you like you know, run out and see this now because it's an amazing movie. But it certainly is far better than I think I had any intention of it being. I was just oh, yeah, like, I went, I went into this going, this is going to be. Ugh. Yeah, right. I, I went in thinking like they they fucking blew it. You know, there's no way uh, that this is going to be anything. And then lo and behold, of of all the films that go into reshoots. I mean, this happens all the time, right? Like films, everybody thinks are going to be fucking awesome. Uh, it just happened with GI Joe. Uh, it goes into reshoots. They reshoot the hell out of it because something wasn't right. And then it comes out and it's just as big a piece of crap, if not bigger than before they tried to fix every small problem that somebody had with it in the test audience. Right. And that's always one of the big things is like, and that's, and studios just have this mentality of, oh, it's broken. Let's just throw money at it. And that rarely ever solves the fucking problem. But here it seems to have actually worked. You know what I think, you know what I think it is, is uh, like reportedly, uh, so, so the person who actually owns the rights to this book is Brad Pitt himself. Like it's his, his production company, Plan B, uh, produced the film, but Brad Pitt, uh, owns the actual rights Hmm. to, to the film production. Um, and I, you know, reportedly what happened was he wasn't happy with how, like, he personally wasn't happy with how the movie turned out. Hmm. So, so like, he went in with plan B and, like, said, okay, we're going to reshoot this stuff. So it really was not even necessarily the studio. It was more like the person who had kind of ushered this through its uh, development um, who said, like, oh, this this needs to like be tweaked a little bit. And it ended up beca- probably because of that, if that's true, uh, that might be a reason why it survived the process because it had somebody who actually maybe knew what in the hell they were doing, um, doing it. Often, often a problem of people actually knowing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah. And if you, if you believe what, what, what's been kind of written about this movie, is that like it, it's so far off from what the initial intentions of this movie were altogether that it, it's amazing that something that strayed so far worked so well because yeah. it was it was very much supposed to be you know like it, very a very political type movie and has gone through some uh, some kind of uh, cuts from that and there are a lot of things that were uh, a lot of nationalistic type things that were all taken out and. Uh, 
I, for the better or for the worse, I, I would be interested to see what they said. They cut out an entire like twelve minute scene that they ended up shooting. That was a giant. I think there was something in like Moscow or something that was mm-hmm. a big giant scene that they they were supposedly and they put money into it. They put money into it and they filmed it and they had all that shit and they still were just like, you know what, this doesn't serve the story. And you know, and bravo for them for saying, hey, let's take out this big giant almost like I think it was, from what it described sounded like an action beat to t- yep. to you know take all that money and say you know let's just. Let's take that off the table because structurally it doesn't work. To have a studio actually sit there and go, hey, that's maybe we should do what's best for this um, is kind of amazing. Yeah. And props to Paramount for, for uh, you know, well, and you know, like over the, the bread. <laughs> originally, when the, I mean, even up until I think as late as like last year, this, this was originally supposed to be the first part of three films, right? Yeah, uh, because that's the big thing with the studios is they want not only do they want the tent pole now they want the tent pole that's a franchise, but specifically a trilogy. Like people love the hell out of like three story parts, right? Like, mm-hmm. thanks Lord of the Rings, you weren't the first, right? Like they weren't the first, but uh, it it's no longer an, uh, an issue of like they're going to be Jaws and then Jaws we all two want our and Star Jaws three D, right? <laughs> Um, it's all trilogies and, uh, you know, fine. Okay. Whatever they originally, they, they was originally planned that way. They cut it right. It, and now it's just world war Z, but then this movie opened up and they were like, Hey, wait a minute. This is Brad Pitt's biggest, biggest opening weekend ever. Uh, $66 million in the box office. Um, which doesn't seem like a lot because like Brad Especially Pitt's this huge, Huge movie star, right? Like, and when you consider imagine, the budget for this movie is upwards of two hundred million, not to count the what is what is surely a ridiculous advertising budget that's probably at least yeah. that much, if not. Yeah. More. So, like the like the production budget, right, was like one hundred ninety million, and uh, like like the advertising is usually that. You know, like you take it and double it, and that's the fucking advertising budget included. Um, and like it. it it's got a sequel coming and and good because I think it ended in a good place. Yeah. Have they kind of officially them. announced that or? Yeah, Paramount gave it the go ahead. Because um, that was the thing. It's I, like I it, reported, it, it ended in a way where it was just like it would have been nice for one film, but obviously did leave it open for that there could be more. Yeah, no. Uh, one of the things I mentioned on uh, Film Find News this past Monday was that like after it did so well internationally and specifically in the U.S., uh, Paramount was like, "Okay, let's do another one." So it's in. It's at least announced officially. Uh, hopefully, it'll get made and get. Hopefully, made it's quickly. not another you know seven year ordeal right. <laughs> before it comes out again. <laughs> right. Uh, hopefully not. Well, let's talk about the movie itself. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll say this in the first. 15 20 minutes i was scared not because yeah. of the zombies i was just like oh, i don't think this is going to be good it, they did yeah, not same. have me yeah it's like that weird like cold open minus the cold open part of it, it like, <laughs> minus it, like, the actual that, sting at the end of if the that open. makes any sense you know what i mean like like you're kind of just thrust into the zombie apocalypse happening um, in a way that we've seen before, like they they even kind of play on the 2004 Dawn of the Dead, right? Like, yeah, I was just going to mention with that the, with the like kids jumping into the bed and all this stuff. Uh, very that was setup. almost that exact shot. That's the first yeah. thing I thought it was just like, right. are they? Is this a crib on purpose? I right. wonder. I think I think it pro- probably was. Um, but like the thing is, after that first opening section where they're trapped on the street and they can't get off. Right. Like once they 
are in that RV, uh, like the movie really does work after that a yeah. whole lot. Uh, right after they, this is actually like the the most negative thing I can say about uh, this this whole movie. Actually, the one thing that like drove me fucking insane because it always drives me crazy. Why in a fucking disaster or when something's maybe chasing you? And you pull over to the side of the road, like, okay, you're far enough away, that's fine, you can pull over. Why do you cut the fucking car off? Yeah, something that you don't know, it's just like, you know, we need to serve a little, it's it's, it's Brad Pitt and his damn green agenda, getting people eating the fuck up on the highway. It's like, why do you, it's one of those stupid Hollywood story beats of like, are they going to get the car started? Are they going to get the car started? That's where we're going to get some suspense wrung out of it, like, no. No, it just takes me out of it because who in the fuck does like? I don't do that. No, and you I, pull over and you park. Yeah, you it's an idle. Yeah, it's just there. It's running. It's already not using nearly as much gas as you flying down the road at eighty miles an hour. Uh, fucking leave it on for the two minutes you're going to be parked there. <laughs> that's why. That's why like fucking eighteen wheelers never are cut off unless they're actually pumping their gas into it. You know, <laughs> like. Anyway, it just infuriated me. I was like, why in the fuck do you always do this? But then there are some badass things that happen. And uh, the biggest, most badass thing, the scientist. The the very first one who's going to be the great big hope of humanity uh, is yeah. such a fucking turd of a character. Oh, he's the worst. It's just like <laughs> you hate this guy so and much. And like, it's just like this is the fucking kid that's going to save our asses. What happens to him is just awesome. Yeah. Uh, like, like pitch perfect. Like, of course that would fucking and, happen. And exactly. It's one of those things that it doesn't seem like it's something that was contrived up for right. the movie itself. It's just to make it some sort of a plot point. It's like you sit back and you look at it and you're just, and it is, it's an, of course that was what would happen. Yeah, of course. This guy has no clue what's actually going on. So, uh. and plays like he fucking has it figured out. Like this, this like philosophical. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about Mother thing. Nature, how things fucking work. And it's like at the end of the day, you don't know shit, kid. He, you know, it's, it's like he ends, it's up, like he ends up actually does knowing what he's talking about, right? Like Brad Pitt's able to put it all together at the end. Oh, but, well, that's that's one that's one of my few contrivances with the movie. Yeah. So, is everything? It's just like oh. So A leads to B leads to C leads to D leads to E leads to F. So everything is just 100% set up, and it's just like, oh, you happen to go and land exactly where you need to be at the exact point that time that you did. You need to, you see the exact thing that you needed to see at that particular time. It's a little too it, much. but I will you know, say that it didn't. It is it what it is. Not, it did not reach the level of absurdity as uh, as uh, Roland Emmerich's 2012 did when, like, <laughs> yes. Like four different times that fucking biplane takes off just as the earth cracks underneath it. It's like, like how many times can this plane just barely make it off the runway, you know? And at least I can say gravity is not that kind. (laughs) Right. But at least it wasn't as absurd as that. Um, There are those like, you know, yes, uh, it's, it's a little too contrived because he would have to have been here exactly this moment to put this together. And that's why any of the plot works period. Um, but it does something interesting in doing that, I think. And, and this is, this is what I, what I find really interesting about this as a film, even if it like, let's, let's assume that there's not a sequel, right? Right. Which, which or, they could easily wrap it up and say no more. And, right. and, and, 
unless they do something fantastic with the with, with the second and what will what will more than likely be third movie, probably would have been a better choice to do. Let's be frank. Well, you know, like here, yeah. Think about the think about the Austin Powers movies. I'm going to go on a quick little rant. <laughs> um, if Austin Powers International Man of Mystery had gone out and there had never been a two or three made, that would have gone down as one of the best uh, spoof films ever fucking made, ever made. But I believe its its awesomeness is watered down by the fact that they made two what I find to be farly, far, far, uh, in, uh, inferior sequels. And yeah. and I hope I hope they don't do the same with this. It, it, that's kind of where I was going. Okay, well, so I want to. I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler. Um, so like, skip like five seconds into the future. Um, the whole point of this movie, right, is that like by the end of it, Brad Pitt finds not a cure, but a defense mechanism right. that can be used against. Right, like he immuni- he immunizes himself against whatever other thing is trying to attack his body by uh, like poisoning himself basically right. with another virus. Fucking awesome. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. It's logical, but here's what is really interesting. That is the struggle of this movie. The, the war part hasn't actually happened yet. Like this movie is all about finding out how we could possibly make ourselves get into a position to fight zombies. Right. Um, and so they figure that out and then boom, the movie's done. Like, like they figured out how they could survive or some shit, but that's not even what happened, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I find that incredibly interesting that in a movie called world war Z, like this is the main plot, uh, is, is finding a way to make them ignore you so that you could possibly at some point lob grenades and shit at them without Mm -hmm. drawing their attention to you. And so I, I think what, what we'll see in the sequel is much more of what's actually in the book, which are these major battles uh, in major cities and not so major cities, rural areas as well, uh, internationally, that are just like the all-out military assaults on just like fucking like hordes and hordes of the undead. Um, and some of that stuff is like the most thrilling and horrifying and chilling uh, sections of World War Z, and I can't wait to see that on the on on screen if it happens. But if it if it doesn't happen, uh, what a weird like plot to a zombie movie to yeah. like come up with just this one method of maybe making them ignore you for long enough to get away from them. But I also, at the same time, while I am in, intrigued as to what this could possibly bring for future films, I also love the kind of Empire Strikes Backiness of it, if I can coin a slight phrase, um, to where it's like, who knows what's really going to happen after this? Mm-hmm. It is kind of, it's, it's, it's a nice, bleak, it's, hope, it's a hopeful bleakness. As, as the film ends out, and uh, and and I like that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 to me, it could be a total viable option for something that could have just stayed that, and and yeah. and, and could have brought up, uh, you know, it, it could lead to discussions as to you know what what would what would follow after this, and and sometimes let's be honest, that may be just as good, if not better, than what anybody else could fucking dream up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I rather I rather liked it actually. Like for for the few things that did bug me or bother me about it, like 
I thought it was pretty solid. It kept me like entertained and and uh, intrigued even uh, throughout the film. So I, w- I was pretty happy with my with my expenditure money wise um, yeah. in in seeing the movie. And I didn't see it in 3D. I didn't see it in IMAX. I only saw it in 3D just because of just just time differences between uh, after seeing uh, Monsters University and it was just the next one that was showing. It was only like three bucks more. So I was just like, you know what? It, instead of waiting, you know, another hour to just save three dollars like fuck it i'll spend three but 3d nothing to write home about i've heard people say the 3d is fantastic and i'm just like really i didn't it was nothing to write home for me so eh. when 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 i buy it on blu-ray i'm probably just gonna go for the 2d version yeah 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 and i and i will purchase this one i i do i do think this is one of the stronger uh entries in a subgenre of horror that's becoming increasingly crowded um with, as with this garbage. like i'm gonna talk yeah, about that this, in a minute as this zombie craze like keeps going on. I also, uh, before moving on to like different aspects of this discussion, I do want to say one more thing about the film that I actually really liked, mostly because it harkens back to some really solid zombie filmmaking, uh, is, uh, Marco Beltrami's score for world war Z. Mm -hmm. I really dug it had that like 80s, 70s synth, uh, like goblin esque, score to it that's almost like dawn of the dead era um halfway between pop and rock and uh just all out like stupidity um if i remember correctly also his like score itself was performed by muse is that right yeah by and large performed by muse which helped with that vibe as well they have that very uh same vibe to them um and i yeah i just every time it would come on i was like man this is actually like really cool Music, and that's something that we don't get often enough in horror films these days, right? Is uh, that kind of uh, like, man, you you know, when you hear a goblin score, you're just like, man, this is fucking awesome. When you hear you hear the scores for Inferno or Suspiria or whatever, like it's just great music, mm-hmm. uh, really atmospheric, and it serves a purpose. It's not just clangs and shatters and clunks and moody, like yeah, or over dramatic kind right? of. Just right, brrr, just right down on you the whole whatever. time. Yeah, um, and this score like really hit that same tone for me, and I dug it, man. I want to say this real quick out to the Paramount executives who listen to this podcast, and I know you're out there. I know you are. At um, least one of the forty of you. At least one of the forty of you motherfuckers <laughs> is listening to this podcast. Fucking make when you bring out the D- when you bring out the DVD the Blu-ray if you haven't already packaged that up and it's sitting in a fucking warehouse in Taiwan or some shit fucking put a docu but this isn't a would be an amazing behind the scenes documentary to put into this film about the production of this film and its woes and its troubles and how it came out on top like it, it almost could be a documentary in and of itself yeah. but uh Put something about that on there for just more than yeah, more than ten minutes. Make it something. Where is our like lost in La Mancha with a happy ending? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what this should be. But um, yeah, like I said, overall, I really enjoyed the film, and I, I was I was very hesitant when the movie started. And uh, now let me ask you this: Let's talk about like the the very beginning in the. Uh, well, I lost his signal, so. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold on one second. We get him back. Okay, we got Matt back on the line. Uh, what I was going to talk about is uh, I want to take a quick second here and ask ask you something about the uh, the beginning of this movie. Um, now you made a you made a uh, a good um, 
reference there in, in comparison to the uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake, which, by the way, for, as far as remakes go, could they get much better than that? And, no, I mean, and, it, and I'm, I'm going to I I take the uh, the minority opinion in that. I think it's better than the original Dawn of the Dead. I know, I know that's a very unpopular thing to say, but I, I, I disagree. Although it's stronger in some other aspects than the original film is, um, but it's also weaker. I think Romero's. I think Romero's. I, I I think it's a little bit too decadent, and 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 I believe this as from Romero's films uh, from from post Night of the Living Dead. I think he's gotten more preachy, and his filmmaking has become less. Now, I haven't seen the last couple, so I can't really. I'm not going to talk about those too much. I'm going to. I'll talk all the way up to uh, Land of the Dead, uh, but uh, all the way up to there, I, I felt they just got so fucking preachy, and that like that's what made Night of the Living Dead such a good movie is that it had a message in it, but it was hidden amongst all this great zombie film, and I, I think his message got too uh, over the top. Anyways, back to the uh, beginning. Now, with Zack Snyder's um, Dawn of the Dead remake. There was this whole, uh, I, I think you got a good idea of what the zombie apocalypse was going on while, uh, you know, Johnny Cash was playing and you saw all this, you know, footage that was yeah. going on. They tried to somewhat recreate that with this film. Did that give you a sense that this had been going on for a long time or am, am I, I, to me, it didn't give that kind of any sort of a structure as to like how long this has been going on. What is the severity of it? What do people truly know? What do they not know? That I, I, the, I thought that first opening was very, very weak, and like I, I didn't get what I feel like they were trying to say. Yeah, I think I think what it was trying to do was set a tone for like what what has been happening in the world. I mean, there's the like real footage of some things that's used in, in that opening. Right. Including, I think uh, it might be a recreation, but I think it's the actual footage from the like freeway camera of the, the uh, fucking uh, bath salts guy in, in Florida, I think is, is used in that opening sequence, uh, which is interesting in and of itself to me. Um, (laughs) But, uh, I, I think what it did was maybe unsuccessfully, but I, I think it did it uh, regardless um, for the most part was set this tone of maybe this exact epidemic hasn't been going on, but there have been outbreaks or uh, I mean, it becomes very clear as the film goes on that uh, like things like this have been happening elsewhere in the world. It's just right. now it's hit American shores and Brad Pitt's family is, is affected by it uh, more or less directly. Um, but as we balloon out, we can see like, okay, it actually started over here, um, either in India or some say in, uh, in, uh, um, Oh, damn it. Where's the other place that they say it could have been? Well, I did um, read that there was an initial thing in this Korea. script to begin with to say that it started in mainland China, but that was actually taken out due to the whole, let's be frank, the Chinese own AMC theaters now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, like, I, I think it at least did that. I, I don't think it was even I, – I didn't get the sense that it was trying to do the same thing as – Dawn of the Dead's montage, if that makes sense. Right. It didn't do it to that level and give you, at least as far as, as, as I think, that that kind of vibe to it. But, let, and uh, okay, so with the beginning of this movie, you know, they get this whole thing, and 
boy, I've never... And, and this is where the movie was kind of losing me at the beginning. And like I said, it, it did turn around. But this family, I've never seen a people who accept a zombie apocalypse so wholeheartedly so quickly. I've never yeah. seen anyone just go, well, this is it. This is what we're doing. Okay, let's go. And that, I don't know why. It kind of bugged me. Well, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess at that point, the like the by the time, by the time we were actually in the movie, right? Like by the time that Brad Pitt's aware and like anybody in the U.S. is aware of what's going on, uh, like the evidence is there. I think mm-hmm. like that this is a thing that is happening and it's not some conspiracy thing. So, like, what else would you do? I guess you have to accept it. It's there now. What are you going to do about it? And obviously, the answer is to get on a bunch of boats. I guess yeah. and be okay with it being the thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. And like I said, everything it just seems to devolve so fast and so quick and it, I guess it was for me and, and I know they just wanted to get get the ball rolling and I I understand that. But at the same time it just it, it was like God, I hope they put some character development in here because I don't see any and like if we're just going to, you know, run balls to the walls the entire time um, I, I don't think it's going to work. And l- luckily they did slow down and, you know, kind of took a deep breath. But I, I do yeah. wish that they, you know, and it, for, for a film that's not, you know, overly long, uh, I, I think they probably could have thrown another, you know, five, ten minutes in there to just kind of flesh some stuff out a little bit better, give some more motivation, some, you know, some trepidations and other. I'm sound like Jesse Jackson here, aren't I? <laughs> motivations, <laughs> trepidations. Exhilarations of the procrastinations of the masturbations. I don't know, <laughs> um, but they they should. I would have liked that a little bit, just a little bit more of kind of this is this is what's happening. Is this what's happening? What's going on? Are we okay? Maybe this is mm, okay. That's kind of oh, oh, all right. Let's accept this. Let's go into it. Okay, now let's go. As opposed to boom, there. Here we go. We're going. We're we're hitting yeah. the ground running, and and I would have liked that just a little bit more. But I I get why they needed to do what they needed to do. Yeah, I I do too. Now let me ask you this: What is the deal? What what the fuck has Brad Pitt done? What what has his character done? What is what has Jerry done? He's he's a UN uh, investigator. Is yeah. the first person you call a UN investigator? Well, he's called he's called by the UN though, right? Yeah, like his yeah. Former boss calls calls him in to find out like what in the hell's actually going on. So in that, in what that is regard, he doing? It- <laughs> they, I really wish they would have made clear. Now, like it was kind of those, you know, it was like the, you know, the the kind of cop cliche. It's just like you don't want to know what he's done. He's been in things and done shit you don't even know about. And then you're like, well, c- could you elaborate just a little bit so we kind of know what we're dealing with here? But yeah. I, I wish we could have found out a little bit more about what, who he was, what he had done, because it like by the logic of it all, it's like really this is the guy that you would call. Why you know he wouldn't be the person that I would send in with you know uh, you know this militaristic team and you know this one scientist who believes he's got you know the answer to everything. I mean, well, I, I mean, it's, if it's if it's his experience of like. 
being in third world countries and navigating very violent situations, which I got the sense yeah. that he had done, right? But, but I, maybe an explanation, at least one yeah, or two. like what, what had happened. Give me one or two him. examples, not like, yeah. oh, he's done some shit now. Yeah. Oh, okay, like what? Just um, give me an example of one or two. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It is a weakness. I just think it's not as big a weakness. No, I'm not. It doesn't. I'm not saying it ruins it or anything or lessens it to, you know, any large extent. But uh, it it certainly is is questionable. And like, you know, I it's a little movie contrivance as well. But like if, you know, they bring him in to do this stuff and, you know, I, I do like that initially he does say no. He's like, no, this is not. I'm staying here with my family. I'm not going to do this as as any person with a family would normally do. But like you know, like any good, this is not a cop film. But like any cop film, it's like you know, you have to give them a reason to go fucking do it. And they're like, look, if you don't do this, we're kicking you off this boat, and uh, you know, your family's gone too. You can either do this for us or you're shit out of luck. And you know, good luck being shit out of luck because. Yeah. But and so it was. It's it's a silly kind of conceit, but it's a conceit that kind of works. And and you you can understand his reasoning for then leaving his family and going to do this stuff, no matter mm-hmm. how ridiculous it kind of seems. Yeah. Well, you also have to for those of us who've read the book, uh, like what Brad Pitt's character actually is is uh, is a surrogate for the book. Um, I'm sorry. Re- repeat is... that one more time. You skyped out just a little bit. Oh, sorry. So what what Brad Pitt's character actually is a surrogate for the book's narrator, who is a reporter, actually. Um, and he goes around to all these different countries and talks to the people who were involved in fighting the war and gets their stories about it, right? That's the that's the setup of the book. The and layout supposedly the that was also what the what very much the first screenplay was like. Right. Um But somewhere along the way, like it became like Brad Pitt is going to be that same kind of role, but it's going to be active. It's not going to take place in the future. And then everything shown in the past tense. Um, and I have no clue whether it's better or not. Actually. Um, I can see ways, even if the script was fantastic, like it actually being edited together in such a way that that original concept would be just absolute garbage. Um, so I don't know. I mean, He's doing it because he's driven to know, like, what the answer is. I mean, like, he. There are multiple mentions of him giving up his job solely because his family wants him to, not because he wants to leave it behind, right? So it's kind of like like a reporter, and and this is this is true of like any good like procedural. The person is so obsessed with what their job is that, like, they're just an actual, like, train wreck as far as their personal life is concerned, right? You can read any Michael Connelly book, and that's the protagonist, right? The Harry Bosch series is built around this detective who's so driven to solve murder cases that he can't hold anything else in his life together. And that's been, like, the overarching stereotype uh, character for basically all detective fiction since the twenties, um, since, since Poe even really. Um, and, and that's the role that Brad Pitt's playing here. Um, just a little more family oriented because it's 2013 and world wars. He's not set to look like it's, uh, like some neo-noir thriller or whatever. 
And and of course we all know why exactly they they got him there. He's the luckiest motherfucker on the entire face of the planet. Yeah. Who who will fall and it is just like um it's it's like I um this little bit from Seinfeld where the, you know Kramer goes to a fantasy camp and George is just like, you know, this guy's entire life is a fantasy camp. He doesn't have a job. He falls ass backwards into money, dates any woman that he wants. His People should pay money to live like him for a week. That's what yeah. this guy is. He is just the guy who's just like everything happens exactly the way it needs to happen. And uh, it, it's a little contrived, but, you know, it works for what it does. Yeah. And 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 that's another little thing that I think would have helped improve this, improve the rating for me a little bit. Again, it's one of those things. It's like spatially, I think there needed to be there needed to be a little more space in between things. There needed to be a little more. Let's look in the bushes to see shit, as opposed to there are no bushes there. There it is, kind of deal. Yeah, I, I wish there was a little bit more of that. It would have brought just maybe a slight bit of more attention into it. Not, attention that I don't think would be you know considered a manufactured in, uh, uh, attention, but one that's actually you know kind of warranted because that's what life is. You're not gonna you know you know you're not gonna open you know a doctor's not gonna open up somebody look inside and just go that's what's wrong. You know it's usually there's a little investigation that goes on in order to see what's kind of fucking up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it needed just a little bit more of that. And it's, 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 like I said, that's another thing that's like five more minutes. Just five more minutes instead of, you know, instead of you, uh, you know, stopping at this one place and then it's like two minutes later, you're at the destination of which you were heading. Yeah. That, it's a little, it's a little, it's uh, just a little bit more. That's all I want. But um, let's. Oh, and by the way, can we can we talk for a second about the transportation to a aircraft carrier that is two hundred miles off of shore? Why are they using helicopters? Who knows? Man. Does that make any sense to anybody that the helicopter is the most efficient way to get people on and off of this aircraft? I guess because I guess because you can like take off instantly as opposed to as opposed to waiting around on a runway and hoping you hit the speed before the zombies trundle into your uh, into your. Now we can take area. max ten people at a time. <laughs> We're gonna fill <laughs> this boat up. It's gonna be quite an arduous process, but. Well, they weren't taking if you're, everybody to the if boat you're, anyway, right? No, but, so. if, but you know, they're bringing in particular people, and uh, boy, did they decide to kick his family out real quick, didn't they? Now, let's yeah, just, man. Well, I mean, it's that's, only been three days, man. It's been three days and no, no word back. And uh, but that, that's not—I don't think that's a spoiler. So, but you want to get into I, spoilers? Let's get into spoilers so we can just talk about everything. Yeah, we could do that. I was also okay. thinking like it'd be really good to maybe like let people discover this because I feel like this just like with this is the end, uh, like this is another movie like that maybe you need the nudge of like no this is actually pretty enjoyable go and fucking see this a little bit. Right. Um, what I, what I'm more interested in talking to you about is the is the mega ticket. Yes, yes, I, and I meant to talk about this on the last show uh, in, in kind of a newsy type thing, but uh, this is intriguing. Tell people what this mega ticket is. Yeah, so it's this uh, this AMC was it AMC or Regal? Regal. It was Regal Theaters. It does sound uh, like more of an AMC thing, though, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. But yeah, Regal Theaters uh, partnered up with uh, with Paramount on this, and. Um, so basically they were offering this mega ticket, which involved an early screening of the show and, and uh, like 
um, a movie poster and you get a digital copy of the film whenever it hits DVD, Blu-ray, um, and a special 3D enough, glasses. Yeah, special 3D glasses, and bizarrely enough, a free popcorn at the theater whenever you show up to see the movie uh, for fifty dollars, right? Which is not an exorbitant amount of money. I don't. I mean, like uh, here in Atlanta, sometimes like. If if I go to the movie on the weekends, um, uh, all the major chains like no longer do student pricing uh, on weekends. So you hear that I kids go, drop out of school now. So it weekend, ain't worth it. So on the weekend when I go, you know I'm already paying like sixteen, seventeen bucks yeah. to see the movie anyway. You know, and in, and in New York, you know, movie tickets are as high as twenty five dollars sometimes. Um, and uh like you know so fifty dollars is not an exorbitant price uh, yeah, I mean, you if, if you're getting copy. a copy of the movie like for your own use whenever uh plus you're being like i i couldn't tell like what the advanced screening thing actually was in the bundle package i thought it, it was, was like, like i thought it was like two or three days before the actual film itself yeah i got released. i got that vibe but also like i i don't know i didn't read the small print because i wasn't going to do it uh <laughs> Well, it was only like in like four theaters across the country, I think. Yeah, it was like Atlanta was one of the markets. Oh, was it? Like oh. Phoenix and New York and somebody else. Um, yeah, it was only in like a handful of theaters. And, and uh, I don't know. It just seemed really weird that that was a thing. Um, I'm curious. I, I haven't looked into it. I don't, I don't think it did that well, the well, mega ticket. The thing is, is I don't know that this is the this is would be particularly the movie that you would do yeah. that with. If you if you um, if you drop this on like you know in Avengers, yeah. I mean, first of all, oh, I mean, if it was for Avengers, yeah. I would drop fifty bucks on that. Uh, that I mean, not even as you wouldn't have to blink. I uh, easily, yeah, I would have dropped fifty bucks on that. Soldier and and try that out. Yeah, I mean. Like it doesn't even have to be the Avengers. Just put it on Captain America. Yeah, put it on a big giant Marvel movie and see what happens. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be. Now, granted, this is this was surprisingly a good movie. But would you? Let's put it this way: with with everything that led up to this movie, would you have thrown down a fifty dollar gamble that this was going to be good? Yeah, I thought it was really weird actually that they were offering it for this movie um, because the, I think the concept actually, you know, you talked about George Lucas and earlier and how he like kind of views where the industry is going and whatever, and uh, he and Spielberg both made comments recently about tiered ticket pricing, right? Or like having to give you more bang for your buck basically if you're going to show up for the movie at a theater, and this is kind of what they were hinting at in a way. Um, but why you would try that with a movie that has like well reported, like heavily reported uh, production issues, and anybody who are the hardcore like summer movie fans or even the cine- like hardcore cinephiles in the audience would no no way would I have spent fifty bucks in advance on World War Z. In retrospect, knowing what I do now about it, would would I have if if all indications seemed as good? I'd Maybe. say at least. I'd say at least fifty percent more likely. Yeah, you'd at least start to consider it. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. this, but this, at this point, it was just like you know, I was, I, what I ended up paying for, you know, a a midweek show at you know four in the afternoon with three D was like eight fifty or something, and that's about all I was really willing to spend on this thing. That's about that's yeah. about max. I wasn't gonna. I, that's why I didn't want to go to like a Regal to see this because I was just like I'm not going to pay full ticket price. And by the way, fuck you, Regal, fuck you, what? Just fuck you. 
Yeah, have they reduced it down to like the first show of the day is their matinee price now? Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's like it's still ridiculous. Everything after noon is full on price. Do you remember? Like, no. You remember when we were kids and, and matinees were like before six p.m. Yeah. Well, when I worked for Regal, it was before six, and then uh, they just decided like, no, we need well, money. Well, it was, you know what, the most ridiculous thing Your about money. it is, the most ridiculous fucking thing about the box office pricing and not giving student discounts and not giving, you know, whatever discounts or not giving matinee prices, uh, like Regal doesn't see any of that fucking money. Uh, they get like 2% of the first two or three weeks of the box office take. Yeah. And, and you know, that could be quite a bit of money in the long run, but it's nowhere near what the studios are making off of it. So who cares if you're still going to make 2% of whatever else is out there? Like who cares really if it's an $8 ticket or a $15 ticket on Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're, you're making your money on, on the concessions and the, the pre ad stuff, the movie mm-hmm. tunes and all that fucking shit. You're that's, yeah. that's where your money is coming in. And it's like, why not put more asses in seats? I just, I don't, it, the yeah, logic I mean, confounds me. I know people who don't go to movies anymore because it's more than $10. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, like the, like, and yeah, it is a stupid thing. And as somebody who worked in the industry, and here, here's the other thing that is stupid. I know this for a fact about ticket prices specifically, but also about concession prices. Uh, like Regal, uh, when I was working for them, raised their concession prices um, over the course of five years by several dollars mm-hmm. per item, um, specifically drinks and popcorn. And when I would like ask about it, the reason that I was given is, uh, well, AMC was raising their prices, so we can do that too. And it's like, no, like, no, that's, that's anti, that's anti the concept of what capitalism is, which is you're out yeah. producing your partner or your competition by giving a better fucking deal. It's like, you know, keep what, your shit lower. People will right. come to you. But hello. But, <laughs> but instead of that, movie theaters are now operating on like the oil company. Yes. Uh, like model precisely of pricing, which is, Oh, BP has it for three forty four a gallon. Well, we're going to take our shell station and put it at three forty four a gallon. Like it doesn't matter. Like if I went, man, I would drive across Atlanta if some motherfucker would put three dollar a gallon gas out on his fucking thing, and I'd buy a Coke from him. You know, which is <laughs> where they does. make their money anyway. Uh, it's the same deal. They make their money in convenience stores on getting you in there to buy gas. And then you also go in and buy a drink or a fucking overpriced Debbie cake or something like that. Uh, that's where the gas station makes its money is that is like getting you in the door the same way that a movie theater does that. They make their money by getting you in the door. So the, the concept behind like just okaying, we're going to do the same ticket price because AMC or Cinemark or whoever the hell else is around you is charging the same amount for a movie tag. It, it, it's just beyond my comprehension of logic and like the way that capitalism actually functions. Um, and I think it like, like actually <laughs> like, like uh, speaks a little bit to some of the criticisms that uh, myself and and some other people on the left uh, like actually do have of capitalism, right? Like, which is that what at a certain level, people become so fucking greedy that it stops being a competition, and they go, "Okay, here's the pie. We're going to divide up the pie. How much do we want to charge for it?" Yeah, and, 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 and I'm the, usually I, I I tend 
to be a, a strong capitalism activist and, and enjoy it, but like some of it is just it's out of control, and it really is like you said, it, it's just a how much of this pie can we actually consume at one particular time, and it, right. it's, it's 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 terrible, especially when it's a direct to consumer kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 infecting their bottom line and and what will essentially be your bottom line and that is why the the, the theatrical experience is is up for is up for grabs man it may or may not continue to be a thing and with the window of home release coming out and we'll, we'll talk about this at another time but uh, with you know between that and the idea that there could be pre-release or or same as day release movies and shit like that that you know people like um uh what do you call it uh HDTV Mark Cuban's company and everything how they're you know doing you know business over there and there there's a lot of interesting things so i i think over the next decade the the film industry especially you know uh movie going wise is 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 going to be very interesting to watch yeah i think so too and it's going to be really weird um we're going to get into some weird areas i think as far as like what distribution channels become and uh just the amount of money being made period uh i mean part look i don't mean to like just rain down on regal i i like worked for them for a long time and uh you know like that industry kind of sucks uh just from an insider perspective um but it is also the distributor and the and the studio right i mean like part of the reason that ticket prices are rising as well and and becoming absor- exorbitant and stupid is uh the fact that the dvd market's disappearing Right. I mean, there are very few companies out there that are making any money off of their DVD sales. It's the hardcore releasing companies like Olive Films and Warner Archive and uh, Criterion and and like specialty houses like that. Uh, Your day to day operation at Paramount, like they're not moving the 200 million units of Transformers 3 that they used to do. It's just not happening. uh, And again, I think that a lot of that also comes back to just ridiculous greed and money coming into that it's just mm-hmm. like when you sit there and say you know here, here's a blu-ray for 25 bucks and what you get with that is is nothing is garbage then yeah mm-hmm. people aren't going to pick that up you know charge charge 15 dollars, give us something worth buying and then watch your sales increase but it's again it's like it's that get as much of the pie as you can as quick as you can because if you don't they the thought is the pie will disappear right yeah, no, that's it. I mean, that's it. There's a review of World War Z. So enjoy World War <laughs> Z, everybody. <laughs> but no, that, that's it's it's applicable in in many ways with this with the mega ticket thing. But uh, yeah, all right. So yeah, bringing it back and around to World War Z. Um, so do we want to do spoilers at all, or do we want to? I, I think I'm I'm I think I'm good with it. I okay. think I'm, I'm good with how we talked about it. I didn't, you know, there's not really much to spoil uh, in the movie. It's fucking zombies. People die. It's random. Uh, Brad Pitt survives. Uh, I think we've made that pretty obvious. Yeah. So it's in the, it's it's a zombie film that's actually good, and uh, I, I I don't know if I've made it uh, too much aware on this particular show uh, or or podcast or whatever, but I, I've made it known to my friends in life. Um, Zombie, I believe 99% of all mo- zombie movies suck and suck hard. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I'm a big fan of it. And, uh, like, I watch all 
the things that come across my my uh, like screen uh, anywhere in my uh, periphery. Like I snatch it up and I'll put that. You know, I watched the fucking Day of the Dead remake slash sequel thing with Mina Savari. So I've watched garbage. <laughs> um, but yeah, like as a big fan, there's not very much specifically in the past. Like, let's say since 2004, honestly, since Dawn of the Dead kind of kickstarted the whole resurgence of the subgenre. There hasn't been that much that's come out. That's really worthwhile. Yeah. I know you guys are down on walking dead, but I actually like still like the show. I may eventually but, get back to watch, but, but uh, mm. You know, aside from that, like, and, and this movie, uh, there's not that much, man. Uh, Zombieland was a high point. Yeah. Um, uh, I think there, there's a movie uh, called Fido uh, that's pretty awesome with Billy Connolly. Mm. Um, but where, you know, the, good, the best zombie movies post Dawn of the Dead tend to be the ones that are really self-conscious about what it's doing or absolutely divorce themselves from that self-consciousness. Right. And I think when when you run into trouble, it's because uh, people are self-conscious, but they're trying to do it in a cool way like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, but also the big thing, and especially because there's like – it's an easy easy thing for a lot of uh, young horror film uh, makers to do. An easy trope is a zombie movie. Yeah. And – they all, most of them go in, you know, with the large focus on what do my zombies look like, what's going in, what kind of, you know, but the, and there's almost zero focus on character at all. No right. one seems to give a shit about character or story, and they they don't they don't learn from those great, excuse me, those great zombie movies like the Romero stuff, where it's like this story is what really drives this. Not the actual zombies. The zombie stuff mm-hmm. are, is is the sweet, you know, bloody icing on top of that cake. But it's the story and the characters are what really makes that movie good. And there's so many of these young uh, filmmakers that making that are making zombie films that don't fucking get that. Yeah, right. But, and but uh, and that's that's what's nice about World War Z is that there is that kind of story behind it. It's it's not the strongest story you've ever heard, but especially come third act, and I guess we can give Drew Goddard and uh, David Lindelof the kind of you know, but I think Drew Goddard more. Because I, I, I from, as is my understanding, most of the rewriting was kind of handed off to him, with Lindelof kind of you know starting the movement and Goddard kind of you know giving it the full flesh out. Um, but we can give that to them for taking that third act and giving us something that was unexpected in in this film and what will what obviously has been leading to that sequel. So um, I'm 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 in, I'm impressed with what they did. They did again. They did way more than they could have ever expected to do. And they did a damn fine job of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good, actually. Like, far better than I could have imagined it would have been when I sat down in the theater. All right, so where are we going out of five stars with this bet? Um, I'm going to give it a solid... I'll say, like, three and a half, possibly four, but... Probably closer to three and a half. That that was that was where my struggle was. If I, I was like one of those, can I go three quarters of a star? Because it's like it's so close to being a, a four that I'm going to I'm going to say it's a high a, a high three and a half. Yeah, it's it's a really strong three and a half. Yeah, it's like three. You go. You think three and a half out of five. You'd think it's probably a lesser film, but no. It's it's certainly it's certainly an enjoyable film and uh, probably worth a watch. You know, two or three times. Effects were pretty decent. I I I, I like the zombies for the most part, and uh, yeah. 
I liked how they handled them. I didn't mind that they were running. I think people put far too much of investment in like whether the zombies are running or not. And, like, who, who cares? I mean, who there's, there's, there's monsters, interesting man. things in They're in fucking make believe monsters. Who cares? <laughs> you know, you're you're <laughs> you're ignoring the fact that they're dead. <laughs> you're, you're wait a minute, wait a minute. You telling me these undead creatures run and not walk? Don't buy it. <laughs> Don't buy it. Right. right. Like who knows? I'm writing my congressman like, now. Yeah, you know, and that, and that's a Romero thing too, man. That fanboyishness of like, well, you know, rigor mortis is set in, so they would move slow. It's like, yeah, yeah, Whatever. but like, but also like, this has never actually happened, so we don't actually know what would happen, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and now, now uh, I want to go out, and I, I also want to I want to talk about a good zombie film that came out earlier this year that not too many people saw, but it was a great movie. It was Warm Bodies. That is out on DVD now. That was another one that was just like this shouldn't be good, but it really was. So uh, yeah, that's out on DVD now. So uh, go go give that a watch. But uh, all right, that is our review for World War Z. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to wrap up the show, talk about what we're going to talk about later. And uh, guess what? We got a new iTunes review. Holy crap. All right, so we're going to take a break, and we're going to come right back with all of that. Stay tuned. everybody that is it for this week's edition of the film find uh huge show today um uh, and uh, so with that we're actually going to read one of our uh we we don't get a ton of these and uh we're going to talk about that in just a second but i want to read our uh, latest itunes review we got an itunes review Matt. can you can you believe that i must can't believe it <laughs> well it's i mean it's pretty pretty spectacular yeah. it's very rare the iTunes review around these parts so we got one in may one in june god willing we'll have one in july uh but um so we got uh the uh the title of this is knowledgeable i, I think that's i think that's that's good but uh it's uh by raising nothing else yeah, if nothing else <laughs> not entertaining but god they're knowledgeable um so uh four out of five stars which first of all mistake number one right there and uh, so it's by Razor1138. Uh, they seem to know a good bit of information about what they talk about. Funny to listen to. Sometimes the podcast can go on a little long. Hope we didn't listen to this episode. <laughs> but uh, it's still fun to listen. Definitely worth subscribing to. That sounds like a five star. That sounds like a five star to me. We'll chalk that up as a five, but even though it's officially a four. And you're the first four-star review on this. So we have one other official that was written. That was a five. And there were like seven other that were all five-star reviews. So anyways. I will I will agree with him. Like sometimes we do go on a little long. We're, we're definitely more in the uh, like Smodco world of 
podcasting where it's just like, are we going to keep rambling for a little but bit? But the thing is Have this. It? The thing is this. What what I like about podcast is that this is something that we could not do on terrestrial radio. Is like, and and I even like, and that's why this podcast particularly started. Is I lost a radio contest to get my own tele, to get my own radio show that was going to be about movies. But you know what? This is. And and though a small part of me would like to be on the actual you know terrestrial airwaves to be able to you know reach a large amount of people at one time, I could not do this show on on radio. It just could not happen. I mean, just not only language things, and I can clean up language. That's not you know whatever. I've, I've worked around children before. I can. I don't have to say fuck all the time. It's possible. I, I you know I don't prefer it, but I you know whatever. Um, but. Honestly, it's just it's content. It's content for the most part. The time, the amount of time that we spend talking about movies and how we go into depth about them, how we don't have to take breaks every fifteen minutes and go, "Hey, what are we talking about? Who's, you know, oh, we, let's let's take a break for or traffic what, and weather." Or even what Marin's doing over on WTF. Like this week, it's stamps dot com. I use stamps. You know, I will. Uh, I, I'll take any advertising. <laughs> If somebody I'm wants to give saying, us advertising like, money, we'll take. Because like, we're like the this first is a little like five minutes, you know, yeah. like even that. Yeah. But having to do that every every uh, every fifteen minutes on on radio, like fuck that. Yeah, exactly. We we don't have to give the weather. We don't have to sit there and reboot and call like you know give our call sign and everything like that. We don't have to do that. And that's but that's what I think podcasting is so great. And and, and it's a listen on your own time thing. You know, yes, our podcast can be over two hours. This one's going to be. I you know I haven't put all the music and stuff in yet, but yeah. we're well over two hours right now, so it's going to be you know. But you can listen whenever you want to. You can listen on yeah. the drive to to and from work, or when you're sitting down yeah. at your lunch break, or whenever. That's the great the part reason, about it. And the reason it's so long is we did we did three fucking three movies. Come major, on, people, major of it, and you don't have to listen to them all in order. You can just stop. You can just stop after the first one. Like I'm going to set this aside. Yeah, you can come back to go any see, of it. I'm going to go see the turd in the middle of this sandwich and then go see World War Z. <laughs> yeah. And then come back to it and see if I agree with what they say. Exactly. And that's what, you know, and that's why, you know, at least on this particular podcast, we don't do a lot of uh, a super news worthy type stuff because this is, this is, while they're new releases, these are evergreen. You can kind of go back to these at any time and listen to them and they'll still have very relevant information to them. Yeah. And uh, but let's talk about that real quick. Matt is uh, Matt starting a little series up where we're uh, we're going to be talking about uh, he's he's going to be releasing a podcast uh, every hopefully around Mondays uh, that talk about the weekend movie renew, uh, movie news and things like that. Uh, so something that's a little bit more um, on point with uh, what's going on uh, in the now, as it were. Right. Uh, so look forward to that. Just stay subscribed. It's on this feed, so you won't have to do anything special to uh, locate that. And they're going to be less than ten minutes. Every and they're less. Yeah. See, there you go. And then maybe we'll jump back and do some film find fives every now and then because I, I know that people enjoy those tiny little chunks. Who I, I go through. I see all the numbers. I know what people you know listen to. But uh, so we're gonna do. We'll probably do some of those uh, coming up fairly soon. But. Um, with this iTunes review, we thank you for that, uh, Razor1138. We thank you for that review. And uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Just go to thefilmfind.com, click on the subscribe on iTunes, and that'll open that right up. You're there subscribing to the show, hopefully, anyways. And if you're listening on Stitcher, it's all right there. Um, but go go ahead and listen to that. Uh, go ahead, review us on iTunes. And if you review us on iTunes or you send us a uh, like an email or you know start some discussion, big thing on our Facebook fan page or whatever, 
uh, we're going to be giving away some stuff. We're announcing that we're announcing that we're going to be giving away stuff this week. Next week, we're going to announce exactly what we're giving away, and then we're going to let you guys go after know how that. to get it. Know yeah, how to get it. Exactly. So we're going to let you, we're going to give you kind of a homework assignment, something to go out and do, but this is some cool shit. So hopefully, you know, we can get some fan interaction with you guys. And that, that's exactly what we want here. And hopefully we can, you know, just, just, I, I want this to be more of a back and forth. I mean, I, I like talking to the audience and everything, but I would love the audience to talk back to us and let us get a little feedback on what you guys think and, you know, where, where the people that listen to the show are at head wise. You know what I mean? But uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll talk about that next week. Um, and speaking of next week, uh, we decided that we we're going to uh, be reviewing the little movie by a little known director uh, named Roland Emmerich. We're going to be seeing a White House. It was a White House down. I forget. I was, White House down. It's <laughs> not Olympus has fallen. Oh, I, I get them confused. And I'm just like, which one's which again? <laughs> what? How could you forget? This one's got Tatum, dude. It's got uh, Channing Tatum. It's, it's, it's just... I've really turned the I've really turned the corner on this guy, but uh, I, I like Shane Tatum now, and like it's so stupid. It's like no, I'm with you. But uh, no, <laughs> I, I you know if between like Twenty One Jump Street and a couple other things, it's like I the dude just he knows what's up, and and I like him a lot. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely be seeing that, and then I think we're gonna try to check out Mud as well. I'm gonna be seeing uh, another small film that I'll be talking about as well. Uh, so next week's episode, another jam-packed one, man. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be back. We're gonna be talking about some more stuff, and uh, we're stoked about it. So I, I we hope you guys are too. And so you know, email us at thefilmfind at gmail dot com. Let us know what is up. We would love to hear from you. We'll definitely read your uh, email on the show, and uh, that'd be great. Get internet famous, bitches. Get it. That's my. I don't. I don't know. Is that a is that a yeah, good that's pitch? Yeah, that's our thing. That's our, get internet famous, bitch. And, uh, you know, I want somebody famous to say that for us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is your episode of The Film Find this week. For Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. We'll see you next time, guys.
everybody that was a trailer for this is the end the moot <sighs> fuck all right everybody that was a trailer for this is the end the new movie direct written and directed by uh seth uh, hmm? let's try that again <laughs> words they should come out of my mouth in an order i've <laughs> been listening to a lot of the uh like fat man on batman uh recently i listened to a lot of the early ones and that were good like i, I love the paul dini stuff well he just did one with uh greg capullo who's the current artist on batman i yeah i mean i follow greg capullo's career since like you know, spawn yeah when he like did 80 something issues of it when he when he just <laughs> pretty much ate mcfarlane style i've really i've dug what he's kind of done with batman though i think he's really gotten into his own well, he, talk, he talks about uh like working an image it's a two-parter uh like two hours it might be like interesting one hour, and one hour it's really good actually he talks about his whole career and uh actually talks about how he started an image and how like basically uh he uh he got hired to illustrate the book starting with like issue 12 or something like that Mm -hmm. um but no they didn't let it be known that he was actually illustrating for a long time because Hmm. todd mcfarlane was the selling point for that book and then like when it came out he just got a shit ton of uh of hate mail uh, saying that he sucked, but but apparently nobody had any issue with it. That's funny. I'm really going to have to listen to that because, you know. It's I mean, a really good, really that's good like episode. That's our era of stuff was when, you know, Image was kicking off. I mean, you know, we were mm-hmm. you know kids, very impressionable kids at that time. And, you know, you didn't know anybody who didn't read Spawn and like, a lot of the Image books. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's I, I don't listen to that. The one he did with um, uh, Batman himself, uh, Kevin Conroy, was like, that was a fucking amazing episode, too. Yeah, yeah, he's done a couple of really good ones. The Greg Capullo, though, like which are it's not the most recent. The most recent one he did with uh, the guy he does Hollywood Babylon with Ralph Garman, um, who has yeah. gotten on my fucking nerves. Yeah, same here. <laughs> he's I'm um, so over him. I was like, I used to like him like early on, but now it's just like you know your stick's wearing old. I'm done with you. But he uh, like their the latest episode is their Man of Steel uh, like nerdgasm. Um, but yeah, the two before that are Greg Capullo, and it's fucking really good uh, podcasting. Hmm. That's why I used. To, that's why I started to stop listening to Hollywood Babylon because like three fourths of the show was fucking shout outs to people who were in the fucking audience, and it's just like, well, that doesn't help me at home. And it's all. It's like, could you do one of the six impressions you do <laughs> terribly? One of the six terrible impressions you do after that? You know, it's just like you know, I'm fucking tired. 
Yeah. And I, I no, just, I'm, with, I'm with you. I don't like Hollywood Babylon either I'm uh, anymore. But it's just like it was I cute to start with. Fat Man on Batman. I'm more of a. I, I, I love Tell Him Steve Dave. I haven't listened to that one yet. I need to get on it. It's, it's, I don't know why. It's fun. It's just, you know, see, Brian Johnson was basically the uh, inspiration for Randall. Yeah. So it is like, it, it's kind of like listening to a Randall and like, you know, Walt <laughs> Flanagan is just like the proverbial, just old grumpy man sometimes. And th- there's some episodes like, you like go back and listen to like, you know, making hay where they go through a, <laughs> like the flea market in town and interview everybody that's in the flea market and like. <laughs> Holy shit, it is funny. But. So here's what I wanted to tell you yesterday. This fucking douche comes in. <laughs> this story is already great. He's like, hey. Uh, I, I go, hey, man, how's it going? What can I get for you? You know, I'm I'm on bar. But, like, our store's so slow that we don't stay planted. Like, I go and call the line and make drinks and whatever. We're and, the exact and, opposite. <laughs> We're so fucking busy all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I've been in those stores, too, and that sucks in its own way. Um, but like, so anyway, this guy's like, uh, Grande, Grande Earl Grey. And I get it. And he's like, uh, double cup that please. Okay. Double cupped. No problem. Mm, simple. Make it. So, fucking tuck the tea bag in like I'm supposed to blah, blah, blah. Go over. Uh, as I'm like pouring the hot water over it. Uh, like the the shift supervisor who who has uh, been in the back, like running something out of or grabbing some milk or some shit. I forget what she was doing. Comes up and like she goes, uh, she talking to me. Uh, what was it? You know, like because she has to put it in the computer and ring the guy up. And he yeah. goes, it's two thirty two. And she goes, well, what was your drink? And he's like, it's a grande old gray. So she puts it in. She's like, she goes, um, well, it's actually two thirty because we're in a different county. Two thirty two is downtown Atlanta. Um, it's a different tax. <laughs> so like, I take it. I'm like, okay, here you go. Have a good one. And uh, he like takes the thing out. He's like, you're supposed. He's like the the uh, the tea the tea thing gets tucked in between the two cups so that it doesn't leak out. And I go. Uh, that's not really a thing, but uh, however you want it, man, just ask for it to be done that way, and I will be happy to do it. And then, like, as he's walking away, my shift supervisor looks at me and goes, that guy was a giant douchebag. <laughs> and I think he, I'm pretty sure he heard her. But, uh, you know, right on, he was a fucking douchebag. Okay. Here's one. Here's a fun one. All right. Uh, so I guess about maybe a month or two ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm on uh, drive through. Uh-huh. Yeah, our Starbucks has a drive-through. We're hell. Um, yeah, I, I I transferred from a drive-through store because uh, I fucking hated drive-throughs. <laughs> it's it's beyond awful. Yeah. So uh, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm both uh, taking taking the orders and uh, and working the uh, the sale. And so uh, this guy, this uh, couple. Pulls up and get a little bing. All right, hey, welcome to Starbucks. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, yeah, I want a uh, a venti, a uh, venti or no, a tall strawberries and cream frappuccino, and a and a venti caramel frappuccino, extra caramel in the cup, a lot of caramel. I'm very particular about this. I'm like, yeah, no problem. It's people ask for this shit all the time, so it's 100 understandable. So I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll we'll hook you up there, buddy. No worries. 
Okay, so uh, he finally gets to the window, and the first get his money, everything's done. And uh, so the first drink I get is a straw, tall strawberries and cream. I hand it out the window, and like so there's a little landing ledge there underneath. Right. And so it barely touches his hand, and he kind of just kind of drops it back on there and just goes, I said extra caramel. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I thought we were just talking about the, the caramel one. That's okay. Well, we can definitely put caramel in there. It's no problem. I, I guess I, I must have heard you wrong. And his fat, broad lady friend, wife, girl, whatever, yeah. sitting in the passenger seat, she goes, now I have it in my hand at the time. And she goes, she looks over at me, leans kind of over and just goes, yeah, you didn't hear, did you, motherfucker? And I was like, oh, shit. And now she actually, the second she said that, she kind of jumped back for a second because I think she realized I still had that shit in my hand and could throw it in her face. Yeah. So she got, I kind of made her jump a little bit. She's like, oh, shit, no, no, no. So I'm like, I, I had literally had no clue how to respond. I'm like, my adrenaline level's like through the roof. And I'm like, yeah, am I going to have to fight a bitch that they're trying through? What's going on? So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, no problem. We'll, we'll get that. I closed it up. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, I want you to put so much caramel in that she can't drink through the fucking straw. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I, they put Just so much caramel in it, and then they like, then they double fisted caramel right on top of it. Just so much fucking. I go, here you are. Have a lovely day. And I like, I tried to like just kill him with kindness after that. It was just. But holy she just goes, motherfucker. And no one ever believes that there's like, someone called you a mother. Like, I've been working here for five so, years. No one's ever called me a motherfucker. So I had that happen to me before. And you know what I did? Because I was a shift supervisor at the time. <laughs> I got their money back out of the drawer and told them they had to leave. Oh, I just, I wish I could. Like, they didn't even get their drink, the, nothing. I was just like, you guys have to go. And they're like, we're getting our fucking drink. And I'm like, if you don't leave right now, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> and they left. <laughs> Like I, I gave you your money back. We're done. Have a good one. See, get I don't want to get out of. I, I gotta get out of this. <laughs> I gotta get out of this line of work. Yeah, no, I can't wait, man. It's I want to be. be awesome a, can't, can't podcasting just give me a million dollars? Can it? Can we all be wildly successful like Mark Marin or the uh, yeah dude guys? <laughs> can't we? Can't, we, can't just, we just do that? Can't you just back up a truck of money to my house? I mean, I'd be, I'd be grateful. <laughs> Thanks, internet. Okay. Don't need a separate mic open for no one that's there. All right, guys. All right. Hold on. Let me see what's going on. <laughs> what's wrong? It's a pet royal rumble. I'll be right back. No problem. <laughs>